stay fly, no lie, and you know this. Bullard! <laughs> there we go. That's what I needed. So before this episode started, by the way, welcome to the I Am Nerd podcast, guys. I'm your host, Freyway. I'm here with my amazing co-host, Kenny. And uh, mm. today we're going to be talking about Kuroko's No Basket, hence the intro. But I told Kenny before we started recording, I was like, listen, I'm going to start this episode off and I'm not even going to tell you what I'm going to do. I just need you to do the follow up. I just need you to jump yeah, yeah. in and do your I wasn't part. sure where I was supposed to jump in. So that's why I'm, I might have haphazardly jumped in too early. But. You, you, listen, you did what needed to be done. You got the ball in part because I wasn't going to do it. That's just not my person. You remember when... uh. This is super side note. This is not the topic. I think, I don't even know if Fraser said it. He probably did. But we're talking about Kuroko No Basket season one. Yes. But as a super side note to what Fraser just started singing, for those of you that remember, Jay-Z made a diss track called Brooklyn, where it was like the same beat and yeah. the same thing. But instead of where they say ballin', he said Brooklyn. Anyway, I just remember really enjoying that diss track. I don't remember that specific one. I know that him and Jim Jones had it's beef. It's really whatever, good. But, yeah, you, I yeah, mean, Jay-Z doesn't look up, bad disses. Yeah. After the podcast, look up Jay-Z Brooklyn. And it's that beat, it's, it's that song, you know, it's a diss track, but, you know, where they say ball and he says Brooklyn, and then he goes off. He kills it. He yeah, kills it. Yeah, as usual. So, yes, guys, this is the first sports anime that I've ever watched in my life. And let me just tell you this, because mm. I have a lot to say on Kuroko No Basket or Kuroko's oh, Basketball. Uh, I typically am not a sports fan, right? Like, I don't actually like basketball or football or soccer or any of the major sports that uh, most males like in today's day and age. I've always just grew up being a nerd who was more into video games and things like that, uh, car games, etc., but never really into sports, also because I was born with asthma, like really bad asthma too. Uh, I was never able to actually play sports. So even if I did like them as a kid, I remember my dad would pull me off to the side when I would start having an asthma attack and be like, hey, you need to take a rest because I'd be running up and down the street with the kids trying to play like basketball or curveball or uh, jailbreak or catch a girl, freak a girl, whatever. Like whatever games kids play where it requires you to run around, tag, freeze tag, I eventually would start wheezing. And my dad was like, you cannot play with the other kids for the same amount of time. You have to take breaks because your lungs, you know, of all things that you can not do well, Frazier, you cannot mm-hmm. breathe very well. So I naturally kind of resented sports, not only because I think that no matter what, even if I didn't have asthma, I don't think that I would have been like the biggest sports guy anyway, just judging by the way my personality is now. Uh, but even if I did like them, I wasn't really allowed to play them because of my condition. So, you know, granted, my asthma is fine now. Like I'm pretty much a regular person. Obviously, you can hear me breathe deeply and I'm a mouth breather and all that stuff. But in terms of asthma attacks, I don't typically suffer from asthma attacks. I don't typically have to take my inhaler. Uh, but basketball is a sport that requires a lot of running and jumping. And those are two things that I just could not do as a kid. So I kind of resented basketball and other sports in general. And I say all that to say, uh, Kuroko's Basketball is literally one of the best anime I've seen ever. Uh, it is very, very, very good. And this is coming from somebody who doesn't really understand basketball on a on a deep level. Uh, I only have a very basic understanding of the sport. I typically watch basketball whenever the playoffs are happening, whenever my friends... Most of my friends are into sports that are not my nerd friends. Like, I have groups of friends, right? Everybody probably does have, like, pockets, right? So my core group of friends that are all nerds, you know, none of us like sports. Like, Kenny, uh, Medina... Gary, pretty much all of us, we're just not really into sports. Would you agree, Kenny? Like, we're not... 100%. I mean, I don't... When they all happen, when the playoffs, the Super Bowl, the fuck, whatever, it doesn't matter what it is, Um, the championships, none of our core group ever talks about it. Yeah. Like, me, you, Cairo, Gary, We Adina, also don't get Cheyenne, together. Anthony, like... We don't get together to watch Super Bowls. We don't get together to watch the NBA Finals. It's not really our thing. Nah. So, clearly, our group is not really into But we sports. have gotten together to watch things like Evo. 
Correct. Yes, we've gotten together for many occasions, and all of them are nerd-related. Every single time. It's never, ever, ever once been, oh, let's get together for this sporting event, or let's meet at a bar for this sporting event. And it never will, because that's just not who we are. So I've lived my whole life pretty much avoiding sports anime, because I feel like, despite the fact that some people say that they're amazing, and oh my god, you gotta watch Blue Lock, and you gotta watch, you know, all these other ones. There's so many of them. Uh, I just never found interest in them. And my favorite animes are, like, Attack on Titan, and Death Note, and Hunter Hunter and Jujutsu Kaisen. Now I like, you know, I like where season two has gone. Uh, Naruto, just you know, before Shippuden stuff like that. Like I, those are the anime that I typically gravitate towards, and most of them being shonen. No surprise there. I'm a shonen hmm. horror, uh, but in general, like I did not care for sports anime because I don't care for sports in real life. So I took a very long time to watch this anime and this was it's been recommended to me before this podcast even started over two years ago now and i decided you know what this year i'm just going to take a deep dive into it see if i like it i watched the first couple episodes and i was like okay i i like where this is going because despite the fact that i really don't know basketball on a really detailed level it's anime as fuck which <laughs> which makes it so much different than what real basketball ever would be however it's grounded enough that I can tell that someone who does enjoy real basketball, if you watch the NBA, if you enjoy the NBA, if you like real basketball, I think that this also translates amazingly and is grounded enough where you would like Kuroko's basketball. So to me, this is a perfect blend between um, cater to your nerd demographic, like me and Kenny and our group, and then also cater to real sports fans who actually watch ESPN on a regular Right. Yep. Like I, I would say it does both. So, yeah, this this is an amazing anime. So I'm in full agreement. Uh, I love everything. I just was letting Fraser rock there. I love it because that has been the experience of every single person that has seen this anime yes. that I know, because I'm not 100 percent sure why I started it. Um, I think it was during the time when there's a period of time when I had Crunchyroll and I was just like watching episode one of every anime that would come out every season. So I would watch the episode one of like every anime on the season. It'd be like 20 anime or 30 different anime. Yeah. So I'd watch all the episode ones and then, you know, 60% of them wouldn't hold my interest. So I would only watch the episode two of like the 40% left over. And then like, it would kind of like cold down. So I'd start a bunch of episode ones and then by halfway through the season, I'm only watching like three of them. You know what right. I mean? Like Which three is, of the anime only sense. survive. Yeah. Um, so I think that's when I started Kuroko uh, is I just kind of started it because I watched everything that season. I was like, oh, wow, this is pretty cool. And then I just kept with it. And then as I just kept watching it, I just loved it more and more. And I recommended recommended it to one of my friends. And then he just like everybody else was like, ah, I don't care about basketball. Yep. I was like, I was like, dog, just try. And I was like fighting with him. I was like, please just trust it. Do the whole argument. And eventually I like make a deal with him. Like just watch like the first three episodes. And if you don't like it, I'll buy you lunch. And he was like, all right, fine. And then, so he watched the first three episodes and then he liked it. And so I didn't buy him lunch. Um, and then <laughs> I did the same thing with like our friend Cheyenne, who was on the podcast. Cheyenne, even more so than Frazier, is like not into sports. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I would and then, at least go to Super Bowl. I've gone to Super Bowl party every year for like the last 10 years. Like every Super Bowl, the year when the Eagles won was in 2018. I was at mm-hmm. Silverman's house for that one. And then usually I go to my friend Reese's house with Gus and stuff when uh, when there's a Super Bowl. Like next month, the Super Bowl is coming up again. And I will likely be at someone's Super Bowl event or Super Bowl get together. I always do go yeah. to that thing, even though I personally don't really care about the game itself. You even though I like, hang out with the homies. Yeah, it's always fun to drink and, and get food and uh 
I just like that environment. Like I do like the environment of it. I just don't know yeah. what's happening on the screen. I'm I'm literally yeah. that guy who might cheer at the wrong moment or not cheer when everybody else is like super hype. And I'm kind of like feeding off the energy, like what the fuck? Am I supposed to be yeah, like happy like, about what this? The hell? What happened? You're like, oh, he fumbled, and we just got a touchdown. I'm like, oh, cool, yes, like awesome. Yeah, uh, but yeah I no, I, I definitely know that because like my dad used to have the Super Bowl party like every year, and there'd be people over the house, and it'd be cool because. It'd be uh, just another excuse for my cousins and stuff to be over. Right. And so a bunch of people would be all hype and having fun. But then there'd be me and a couple of my cousins just playing Smash or something. You know what I mean? Like yeah. not giving any a shit. reason to get together. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So I show it to him. I show it to Cheyenne. And then like reluctantly, he starts it and then he falls in love with it. And then I remember when I showed it to Cheyenne, I was at Fraser's house. At the time, Fraser lived with our friend Medina and they both lived there. And so I tried to get everybody to watch it. But Fraser and Medina weren't having it. And so I get Cheyenne to watch it. He falls in love with it. And in the middle of Cheyenne falling in love with it, Medina ends up catching a bit of it. And then so it piques his interest. So then Medina f- gives it a try. And so we start over from episode one again. And we watch it again from episode one. And Medina falls. And then Frazier still wasn't happening. Yeah, Frazier no. was like, no, like, it's just not happening. Yeah. And then since then, like, I know Gary has seen it. And yeah, so many other it. people. All of my close and, friends have seen it, which is interesting. Yeah. And I've, so many people have watched it, and every single time they're like, I don't care about sports. I don't care about basketball. Like, I don't give a fuck. And then eventually they finally watch it, and they're like, oh, this shit's cool. Like, it's yeah. just fucking cool. Like, it's, yeah. So, so, yeah, this this anime is amazing. It's really cool because of the fact that it feels like every fighting shonen that you've ever seen somehow, even though it's basketball. So they use yep. terms as though it's a fighting anime. They talk about getting stronger. They, they say Hayate, which is like too fast or he's fast <laughs> stuff. like It has all of the tropes of a shonen anime like Naruto, Bleach, One Piece, all of those things, right? It has all of those tropes when they're fighting, but just in the form of basketball. So my interest mm-hmm. was immediately peaked. The main character is really interesting. I do feel like this is another case of him being like Luffy. So I spoke about how I think Luffy is on the spectrum in one of the previous long, long, long One Piece episodes. I feel like Luffy definitely has like some level of autism. I, I think that just the way his character is designed and also after seeing the live action. And I think that that, that guy who did luffy in a live action he does a good job of like seeming like luffy in a lot of ways just the i don't care about certain things that other people think are important but i care about things very deeply that i deem important like friendship and stuff like that and protecting people and if you say you're my friend i'm going to be there for you Uh, i think that that's all captured really well kuriko the main character of kuriko's basketball he has this weird thing where he just like (laughs) so first of all the premise is like he's from something called the generation of miracles there was this team that existed in middle school with these five players on it. They all have different color hair and they were apparently so broken. They never really lost and they kind of just dominated the league in middle school, right? They all graduate middle school and they all go their separate ways to a different high school. So each of them is at a different high school. So that's Which, like, by the way, already a sh- like you guys have all seen Shonen, the Akatsuki, yes. the Shichibukai, the generation of miracles. That like, name they, is they have so like a- fucking broken. <laughs> They have like a a thing, you know? Yes. A, a, oh, it's so cool because it. all their hair is different too. So when the show first comes on, every episode starts off with there was once the generation of miracles and it shows these five figures in shadow and you can see their hair colors, but you can't really see them. And it's just yeah. talking about how dominant they were. And then at the end of the monologue, it says that there was a phantom six man uh, who was also recognized by the Generation of Miracles. And it's the main character, Kuriko. So he's actually part of the Generation of Miracles, and he's respected by them and acknowledges one of them. But, like, his presence is so low that they call him the Phantom Six Man. Now, this is important because in episode one, he has this thing where, like, 
the kids are signing up to join the basketball team, right? The signups are open for this year's varsity or whatever. So it's like, okay, people are signing up. And out of nowhere, after a bunch of people do it, there's this one kid who's been there at the practice the whole time and nobody noticed him. And they were like, where the fuck did you come from? And he's like, I've literally been standing here the entire time. So at first I was confused, like, well, what is going on? And this is like a thing that happens the entire show where his his ability, right? Because all of the Generation of Miracle peoples, they have an ability and we'll get to that in a minute, but they all have an ability and his ability is actually that he really is like a phantom. You don't notice him ever. So it's a recurring theme where he sneaks up on people and people will be in a room and they'll be thinking to themselves with an inner monologue and he'll just be right behind him. He'll be like, hey, I have a question. And they'll like freak out <laughs> because the they, they didn't sense him at all. He has like no presence whatsoever. So, I love the main character a lot. Uh, I think that he's really cool, but he's not even my favorite character. And I think that that's by design. I think the anime knows that like, yeah. So one quick thing on it. So something that's really cool in case you're still wondering, like, well, that still doesn't make any sense. Like how can he just magically appear the way they describe it? Um, is that a, he's just a person in general that doesn't have a, a, a strong presence. And I think we all kind of know what that means. It's like, you've been in rooms, you've been in high school, you've been in places where there's like somebody that just kind of sinks into the background. Yes. They're not really noticeable. They just have a low presence. They don't stand out much. Um, so he has that where like, he's, there's nothing especially spectacular about him. So he has like a, a low presence. He's easy, easy to miss. But then on top of that, he does have a talent and a skill and that's that he's exceptionally good at kind of recognizing people and using misdirection. So he uses misdirection where other people kind of look at things and then he's able to kind of like get in on your blind spot. Right. So he uses the fact that he has a very low presence in addition to the fact that he's good at misdirection and kind of moving when your eyes aren't trained on him. Uh, and he uses all of that to kind of create this sort of phantom-like movie. Yeah, so they do this thing the entire anime, and it's basically every episode where at some point, Kuroko is going to be next to a character that thinks that they're alone, and he just appears. This is <laughs> funny, and I want to go into this little side story here. So back in 2019 and every year prior, before pandemic, right? 2019 is the pre-pandemic years. I used to go into the office every day for work. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, it's been told to me many times. This is so funny. When I was watching this anime episode one, I was like, oh shit, that's kind of like how people describe me in the office. But back then, I used to always wear dress shoes or whatever. And for some reason, when I would walk up to a coworker who was working in their cubicle and I would just kind of like walk up behind him and say something, they would jump every time. Fucking <laughs> absolutely startled. And they'd be like, you have no sound when you walk. Like you don't make a noise and you don't really have a, for lack of like, for lack of a better word, a presence. Like, you don't have a presence when you're near me. Like, I, I normally, people say that they normally can feel somebody is behind them or somebody's approaching them and they can hear it. But because I guess I'm just very light-footed in the way I walk, and I kind of, after I've been told that so many times and after I've seen so many coworkers jump, and I apologize every time, I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm so used to doing that. And, like, I don't know how to stop it. <laughs> uh but I've done it to so many people, and after they've called me, like, you know, the person, like, the person who kind of has, like, no presence when they, when they come up behind them, I thought about Hunter x Hunter as well, which is, a, is an anime that I watched in the last several years. I think I watched Hunter x Hunter in 2016 for the first time. Um, there's a character that I love. He's my favorite character in the anime, basically, but his name is Killua. And he does this thing, or he's like a silent walk, and he first uses it on Netero, and you kind of like 
see him, well, maybe not his first time, but he uses it on Netero. Netero is like, you know, godly. But he uses it on <laughs> Netero. He starts to like phantomly walk around in circles. You see multiple copies of him, like a bunch of Bunshin. <laughs> and the technique is designed to misdirect and also lower his presence so you can't tell which one is the real one that he'll sneak in and take your heart. That's like the that's like the cool thing about Killua. But it's called like a silent walk. And ever since seeing that anime and ever since my coworkers for my whole life have been telling me, like, you are really quiet when you come up behind me. And I don't know if you're doing it on purpose because you're trying to startle me. Some people have gotten yeah, a little, yeah. like, I can tell they're a little annoyed by it sometimes. Like, I've had coworkers who literally are like, some people yeah. find it funny. You were like, literally oh, no. Kuriko. Like, you yeah. were just showing up in rooms and they were getting annoyed. And you were like, I'm just, I was just here. Like, yeah, I, don't, like, I was just I here. was right behind you this whole time. So, you know, so for the ones who think that it's funny and they're they're okay with it, I will purposely do it. Like, I'll walk up behind them. Them, they'll be doing something like on their computer and I'll be like oh yeah I just put in some time off too and they'll jump like freaked out because I just watched them log into ADP or whatever system we had for HR I watched them log in and like put a time and request off and I'm like oh I'm taking off that day too but I'll just say that without us having mm-hmm. a conversation started and they'll freak out and like turn around and be like you scared the shit out of me so when Kuriko is constantly referred to as like creepy or uh no presence or phantom i kind of liken it to myself just because literally it's something that i do to people all the fucking time so i just thought that was really funny yeah. that they kind of do that it's it's fun and you know i just think that's a cool story because i think some people could watch this and think it's slightly unrealistic and obviously it's an anime there's like some unrealistic of shit course. but and if it wasn't it, i wouldn't it, watch it it is also at the same time realistic like you said it's kind of grounded like stuff like that really does happen where there's just people that can kind of sneak up on people not even on purpose yeah and just kind of sneak up on people and scare them. Before we get uh, too off track, there was something you were about to say before we went on to this, where you said he's not your main, he's not your favorite character, and I think that's by design. And then I think you're about to say who your favorite character is, or maybe you're going to say something else. I'm so saying. I think Kurko is a fantastic main character, but I feel like he's more of just a means to connect the generation of miracles together, and mm-hmm. uh, and also a a a device used for the other main character Kagami, and he is what I would consider to be like the real main character technically because he's the star player for Seiren, which is the name of the Japanese high school that they play for. And so at Seiren, Kagami is tall. Kuroko's short. Kuroko looks like he's about my height. I don't know how to really grasp how tall he really is, um, but he looks like he would be no taller than like 5'7", 5'8", and Kagami is gigantic compared to him. I would say Kagami's probably like 6'3". So, Mm -hmm. Kuroko on this basketball team already doesn't really stand... Well, I guess he stands out, but he doesn't really look like he belongs because of his height. Everything about his stature, he's not really muscular, he's not really big, uh, and he's not really athletic either, which is interesting. So he he has none of the characteristics of a typical basketball player. So and and he doesn't say much either. He kind of keeps his conversations when he does speak. It's very to the point, and this kind of goes back to him being on the spectrum a little bit to me. It's like he. He doesn't really joke around. Um, he never really makes jokes, and he doesn't really get a lot of humor either. Like humor yeah. is just kind of lost on him. People will say things that are funny, or everybody will be laughing, and he he's will just, just stone face, stone face, kind of. I won't say dumbfounded, but you kind of get the idea what I mean when I say that. Like I, I will use a lesser, a less strong word for it, but he he doesn't seem to be in on a lot of the jokes and things that are happening. So. When I say he's not my favorite character, it's like, well, I'm only on season one. So I watched the first 25 episodes. Season one is 25 episodes. Plus, there's an extra episode in there that I didn't know about. Uh, but I watched that, too. So there's like episode 22 is like after that, there's 22.5 or something like that. Um, so there's there's 26 episodes, technically. And mm. Kuriko, because he was acknowledged by the Generation of Miracles and he played on the team as a six man for them, he is the 
person that's narrating every time a new one is introduced he kind of says like hey i know this guy i know what it takes to be him i know his strengths maybe sometimes even their weaknesses i know but most importantly he knows their ability they all have an ability like i said and the first one they come across his name is Kisei, and he's like this attractive, blonde-haired uh, Japanese guy. Yeah, he's like a teen model. Like yes. he's, he does modeling and stuff. And go ahead. He looks like he'd be in like BTS or something. He's blatantly. Oh, for sure. He's blatantly what looks like he's from a K-pop band or something, like a boy band. He looks like he's from a boy band. He, like Kenny said, he is a model, but he's also part of Generation of Miracles, and he's considered the weakest one on out of the five like out of the five or technically six if you count kuriko he's the weakest one so as soon as the anime starts kagami and kuriko join the basketball team their first years right so they're freshmen they join the basketball team kuriko's hair is blue like very 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 light blue and kagami's hair is very 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 red and all of the generation of miracles characters have different color hair that is not blue or red they're all well there's one guy, but you don't see him until the very, very end. Um, but Kagami's hair is like a deep, dark red. And then this other guy, the last Generation of Miracle character that they introduced, Akashi, his hair is a bright red. And this is something I didn't know until the last episode. So episode 25, and this is like really cool to me. I am learning Japanese right now. Uh, I've actively been doing Duolingo. I think right now I'm yeah, on Yeah, I know one. what you're going to say. Okay, yeah, go, go, go. <laughs> I'm on day 170, right? I'm on day 170 for... Um, Duolingo. So I've been doing a lesson every single day for the last 170 days. I've been doing it since before Japan, my trip in September. And I said, fuck it. I love Japanese so much and I watch so much anime. I might as well continue to learn it. And it's so cool because watching anime now, I keep picking up on more and more words as I'm learning, as I'm learning more and more Japanese. Um, basketball to Oshimasuka is like, do you play <laughs> basketball? Like that is literally how you say like, Shimas is to play. And so putting ka <laughs> at the end of it is a question. So if I say Shimashka, like that just means, do you play that? So if I say Yu-Gi-Oh! Oshimashka, like that means, do you play Yu-Gi-Oh! So I know how <laughs> to speak like a good amount of Japanese now. And it's so awesome listening to and watching anime. But my point about the hair color is, so all of the Generation of Miracles, one of the guys' names is Midorima. And that sounds yep. very similar to Midoriya from... Yep. Another anime called My Hero Academia, who has green hair. Well, this guy, Midorima, has green hair as well. And I was like, damn, the names are similar. And also, the hair color is exactly the same. They both have green hair. And then I started thinking like, oh, shit. All the Generation of Miracles hair and their names are linked. So yep. Kisei is also, you know, his name starts with K-I, which is also like yellow and gold, like gold and yellow. All They both start with K. And then and you have like... Kizaru. Right, yes, Kizaru, Kizaru is gold. the yellow monkey. Oh, yeah, yellow monkey. Um, gold, he wears and, gold. Yeah, and that starts with Key, and then you have Kisei, and then you, you already said Mido, uh, Midorima yep. and Midoriya. Yes. Ever since I watched My Hero Academia, I, I never had a problem saying Midorima's name. But then after I learned, after Midoriya, I always got their names mixed up because they're like, they're Severe. But like Mido or like something like that is green. Um, And then I think you got on this topic with Akashi. You were going to. Yes, because Akainu. The red dog from One Piece. So yep. red mean you know, Aka is red. And Akashi has red hair. And so this is the case for all of them. Now, the only one that's kind of confusing to me is that Kuriko, his name is also a color. But I don't know if this is something that's going to happen later. But Kuro is black. And <laughs> his hair is blatantly a vibrant blue color. Now, I will say yeah. this. He does I call think, himself. Go ahead. I think, the, I think the Kuro in his name is supposed to be a reference to... 
phantom like him right. being yeah like shadow or because he calls him he even calls himself like i am the shadow to your light he says that to yeah, yeah. the other main character his teammate kagami who he wants to beat the generation of miracles so kagami's like this super competitive guy i could i compare him to kobe bryant after seeing the entire season play out season one i think that he's blatantly modeled after like a kobe bryant type of character because if you know kobe kobe was great at basically everything he ever did uh one of the best players to ever play basketball easily no question right mm-hmm. so kagami has a lot of characteristics because he has this incredible drive to win and when things are bad he will take the word team and transform it to the word i <laughs> and literally there are, there are episodes that i cannot wait to talk about where like Kagami will stop playing it as a team sport. And this is looked at as a bad thing. Anime's trying to portray that as a bad thing. Putting the I in team, right? Like, you know how people say, look, there's no I in team. Um, Kagami blatantly will say, fuck it, we're losing. I can win on my own. So he will start saying, pass me the ball every time. Give me the ball every single time. And Kobe is known to have been just like that. Rest in peace to the goat. But he was very similar in the way that if the team was doing bad or if he felt like shit wasn't going the right way, he couldn't trust his teammates. And it's known that he felt like that. Um, he would just start take be a ball hog, like call it what it is. Like he'd just be a ball hog. He's like, I'm fucking, I'm going to do it all. I'm not passing. I'm fucking taking this <laughs> shit from one side of the court to the basket. Like I'm doing it. And I don't care who's mad about it. I don't care. As long as we win, it doesn't matter if it's just me or if, it, or if it's the whole team, but he wants to win so bad that he will put the eye in team. So Kagami is that exact personality. And when shit is going well with the team, he's fine. But the second things are kind of like, oh, we're down bad. We're, we're, um, we're dropping balls. We're, we're getting stolen from and stuff like that. Look at me. I'm trying to like speak basketball terms here. Uh, <laughs> as soon as shit starts going wrong, he immediately is like, give me the ball every time. So I like the fact that one, the names, the naming convention of the characters, I think it's awesome. The fact that they're named with uh, the colors of their hair. And I think that it's cool that their hair colors. You can also tell because of just the unique hair colors that these are like the main people when you see yeah, everyone yeah. else most of the other characters they have like brown or black hair correct everyone just has regular color hair brown or black which when i was in japan and this is kind of interesting too because um we have a lot of like friends who just you know are asian or whatever and they all have basically black hair and I love anime because in anime, oftentimes characters have colorful hair and stuff like that. And it's just cool. It adds vibrance to it. But in Kuriko, it's kind of interesting that they make every character who's not from the Generation of Miracles or not one of the main characters like Kuriko or Kagami, they make them have just regular Japanese people hair. Like, they make them very regular. So mm-hmm. as almost to say, like, you're just average. Because most of the people who don't have color hair in this, at least in season one, they're very regular. Like, they they typically, they do have skills, don't get me wrong, but this anime does a very, very good job of constantly reminding you that the Generation of Miracles is fucking next level. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, they're, they're, they are a step above, and everybody knows it. And there's some people that are, like, pissed about it, because, like, you know, these, going into high school, these are all freshmen like yes. we're talking about the high school basketball team and there are seniors on the team that are like really frustrated because they are being outstaged by a freshman that there's freshmen joining these teams and that the seniors almost have to take like any school a generation of miracle has gone to the seniors in that school have had to take a backseat yes to these freshmen that have come in um so it is very clear that they are far and away better than them. they were Far and away the best middle school team, and then going to high school as freshmen, they're far and away the best players in throughout all of the high schools. So, yeah. and all the teams are molded around them. So once they joined uh, school, the entire basketball team, no matter what it was before they got there, has completely been revamped to focus on them as the center of the team. 
depending on what position they play, it doesn't matter. Center, point guard, whatever. Like they are now the whole team revolves around them and giving them the ball mm-hmm. and whatever their special skill is. So season one focuses on three of the generation of miracle characters. There's Kisei, who is the model, um, cute guy, you know, yeah, he's and super good looking and all that. Another thing on Kisei is that the reason why he's playing basketball, so his whole thing was like he was he was good at everything. Mm-hmm. Everything he tried to do, he played soccer, he played baseball, he did he did all kinds of stuff, and he was just like kind of a prodigy and natural talent. And he was so good at all of these things he tried and never really met anybody that impressed him. And then when he met uh, Almine and the other generation of miracles that were playing basketball at Taiko, he finally met people that he just wasn't as like he could not catch up to them. Like he was not as good yeah. as Almine. No matter how much he tried, he could not beat him in basketball. And so that made him start to really enjoy and want to play basketball more because it was a thing that he couldn't do better than everybody else after just trying a little bit. Yeah, so I really like how uh, there's character development for these people as well. And Kisei in season one gets a lot of it at the end, interestingly enough. So when you first meet Mm. him, he just comes off as an asshole, like a very smug guy. He runs into Kuroko (laughs) and Kagami, and they are scheduled to play each other very soon. And he's talking about like how he's big shit. You know, you can never beat me, blah, blah, blah. Like I'm from the generation of miracles. Just popping his shit, right? Like typical. (laughs) But what I love about this is that the anime does have a bleach feel to it where they do a lot of shit talking. Yeah. And the shit talking is amazing. Like whoever wrote, there's the a lot of this, shit talk. It's really good. If you like anime where the characters just say things that are off the wall, this is a good anime for that too. Because again, if you treat it like a fighting anime, like typical fighting anime, they're saying the same type of things, just apply it to basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like you're too slow for me or like I'm way stronger than you stuff. Like they use those terms, but talking about basketball. So it's really dope. But yeah, Kisei is the first one introduced gold hair, pretty boy, popping his shit, super cocky. So I didn't like him immediately. I was like, he, (laughs) and maybe this is because I see a lot of myself in him just in the way, like he's all into fashion and stuff like that. Like he's a, you know, he thinks he's a model. (laughs) Like he's really cocky and like can be very arrogant at times, like condescending. I'm like, I don't fucking like this guy. Yeah, Uh, you're like, that's me. Yeah, it could be because I'm holding up a mirror, but like, I I don't fucking like him. So immediately I'm like, yeah, I need them to beat him really bad. He watches them play a couple of their little, uh, whatever you call the games that are not serious. Like, you're doing games. like a scrimmage yeah. yeah and he's watching he's observing them play scrimmage he's like yeah you guys don't stand the chance eventually they get to a point where they actually do play him and kagami's really good at basketball he came from america he's the other main character with the deep red hair like the dark red hair and uh so he, he came from america which they still haven't gone into in season one really about like that whole thing but he's a kid who lives by himself in high school somehow um he's really good he's tall athletic He's muscular. He's everything to like be he, genetically. He won the Gen X lottery. There's only one character that yeah. I think is probably like, and I just met him at the end of the season one, but he's like really, really gigantic with purple hair <laughs> from the generation of miracles. I don't really know him yet. Uh, Cause we haven't seen him do anything, but uh, he clearly is like a shack type or whatever, but outside of him, Kagami is huge. Even to the other generation of miracle characters, he is gigantic. So him and Kisei, you know, they exchange words. There's that whole thing. And then eventually they have to play each other. And and this is what I love about why this is anime as fuck, even though it's basketball. So they all have an ability. And Kisei's ability fires off when Kagami starts to do cool things with the, with the ball. He starts to do dunks. He starts to do, like, all kinds of different jump shots and, like, um, dribbling techniques. He's doing all kinds of different things. And Kisei starts to literally Kakashi copy everything that he's doing. Like he literally starts to do verbatim the exact same move. And it does that thing in anime where everybody who's watching their eyes get big. They're like, did he just, 
did he just do Kagami's exact move, like his special move? And then and then Kuroko's like, I was trying to tell you, but his special ability is the copycat. He can copy anything that he sees. Now, at the time, <laughs> when they first tell you this, they just say it like that. Like, very plain and simple, he can copy anything. If he sees it, he can copy it. Uh, but come to find out, there are, of course, limitations and things like that, which I'm sure that they will be surpassed later on. But at least in season one. Yeah, they say in season one that he um he can copy anything he can see. He sees anybody do. However, he hasn't been able to copy the other generation of miracles uh, talents or yeah, whatever. Or anyone and who he perceives to be better than him. So he cannot copy yeah. NBA players either. So when the yeah. coach is talking about him, she's saying how his ability is insane, but he can only copy people who are actually at a level below him. He cannot copy you of your... So Almane is considered the best player of the generation of miracles. He's considered the ace. ace. Yes. He's considered the, considered the ace. So he's like the god. And... Like Kenny said, Kisei and Almane used to play each other all the time. It's kind of the reason why Kisei even plays basketball is because he was broken in every other sport. But when he tried basketball, he just could not be Almane and they show it. Like he never beats him ever. Every time they play one on one, he gets dogged. So that keeps him motivated because I understand that too. Like I used to go to locals. And I would get thrashed by Sean McCabe, Kevin Daly, Dante Jones. These are three of the players from my origin series that I used to write for ARG. And if you read that series, very short because I never finished it. But if you read that series, um, you remember that I talked about going to locals when I was younger at like 14 years old. My dad would drop me off. And these guys, they knew about metagame.com. They knew about Pojo and they, they understood like, you know, top eight deck lists and, and they were net deckers and they knew how to change decks according to your local area. So they would take a deck that topped or won and then they would change it because like, oh, well, people at our local play burn. So I need to have these cards. And they just did stuff like that. They were so much more advanced than me. And instead of going there and getting beat every single Saturday, my dad would drop me off every Saturday and I would get destroyed every fucking Saturday for months. Okay. And normally a lot of people, cause I've played Yu-Gi-Oh for so much of my life, you know, I've been around to see kids come in, lose every week. And eventually you stop seeing them. Mm-hmm. Um, they move on with their life. And then years later, you might see them get, you know, on that Facebook thing where it's like people you may know somehow they just fucking know. And you'll see the person growing up and they've completely just, Yu-Gi-Oh is not a part of their life. You can look at them and tell they're now into like sports. They're now married or doing something completely different with their life. But Yu-Gi-Oh was just not in the cards for them. No pun intended. Uh, and they came to locals and they got beat and with me. And with a lot of other Yu-Gi-Oh players, especially the ones listening to this, you know what it's like. You go to locals, you get thrashed, right? But that doesn't stop you. And in fact, it fuels you to go back the next week and try again and try again and try again. And so Kisei, and this is another reason why I probably don't like this guy because I see a lot of myself in this character, but he <laughs> could not win against Omine. And that's the only reason why he's obsessed with basketball because he's like, mm-hmm. I have a ceiling. I have a goal to reach. So I had a goal where I wanted to beat McCabe and I wanted to beat Dante and I wanted to beat Kevin. And they were like these huge obstacles that as a kid, I literally could not overcome. And that kept me going. So I totally relate to that. It's, it's a really, it's really good that this Shonen, you know, Shonen is for like teenage boys or whatever. Usually um, it's kind of cool that they're already instilling that concept of like not giving up and pushing and pushing yourself to be better. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's really good. So Kisei, that first game, it's like a practice game, a scrimmage game that they have. Yeah. And Kisei's copying them, doing all this stuff. And uh, it's just really cool. Like, just seeing that happen. And then, you know, it goes from there. And you see them play against, like, just other teams. And they have good games against these other teams. Yeah, every but... single game is amazing. The games take, yeah. like, three to four episodes to resolve. So mm-hmm. games are like fights in an anime. And they take 
they take a while before the game is over. It's not none of the games are just one episode typically. They're usually the first several games are going to be like I said, three to four episodes long, and it makes them really really dope. Like every quarter might be an episode, um, but mm-hmm. this first one that they play against Kisei is technically like Kenny said, a, a scrimmage, a, a practice game. But they take it super serious because they just want to win, especially Kagami. He's like, I need to beat this guy because this guy talks so much shit. I can't lose to him. And during this game, this is when you see like Kuroko's ability manifest. Uh, His ability is so dumb on the court. So like we said, he has no presence. And what this does is he gets this thing called misdirection where because you don't notice him on the court because he's not athletic, he's not particularly, he's not big at all. He's actually short, which works to his advantage, of course, Uh, despite the fact that he has bright blue hair, he (laughs) can't be sensed. So he ends up stealing the ball from people very easily. He'll come behind you and just pluck it out of your hand and like, you know, just smack it, which is like, that's Mm -hmm. what ball, you know, ball stealing is. He'll smack the ball out of your hand because you didn't know that he was behind you. And then it'll bounce, and then, you know, Kagami will get another character from the team. They'll pick it up. But then he has this other thing where he's insane at passing. His passing is so broken. And especially because he gets into somebody's blind spot, so you don't know he's there. And then so they do this thing where the Saren team will pass the ball, but they'll throw it, and and we're like, nobody's expecting it to go. Like, they'll pass the ball, and they're like, what the fuck? Why are they throwing it that way? And then all of a sudden, Kuroko's there, and then changes the angle of the pass and now it's like oh shit and so the ball gets the kagami or hyuga or somebody in like a way in in an angle that was covered and they get it like into a roundabout angle they are able to get the pass and hyuga can shoot a three or kagami can go up for a dunk or yeah some some other sick team play it's so cool the vectors the way i describe it is like it's a bunch of v-shapes so you'll see the ball come towards uh kuriko with a huge line right so it's like super anime looking it has this energy line on it and then you'll see him smack it and then it'll be like a v-shape and a laser will be going <laughs> the other way and he does all these vector passes and then at one point he starts using martial arts on the ball so he does this one pass where like the ball's in front of him like in the air and he will palm it like palm it forward mm-hmm. and it and it sends the ball flying extremely fast and and like powerful so it's hard for a person to uh, actually catch it except the intended target so he'll do that and because it moves so quickly most most people on the field are like hi you know they say that japanese line is like too fast they can't actually do anything about it uh so he he's amazing at passing getting behind people stealing from them and just being in places that no one expects so his ability is pretty insane but he describes himself to the main character, the other main character, Kagami, that, you know, you are the light and I'm the shadow to your light. And the bigger the light, the more the shadow is amplified. So basically saying the better Kagami is at basketball, the better Kuroko would be. Yep. And, and Almane ends up meeting. He's he's the the best player basically in the show so far. Uh, he's insane. He's like fucking Michael Jordan on crack or something. Mind you, oh, again, that's my boy. Man. And as a side note, was we were saying like the names, I just want to because we didn't say it. But Almine and Alkiji, that's how I first realized it. Um, is because this is before I knew me, uh, Midoriya from My Hero Academia. But I was a huge One Piece fan, so you have Alkiji, Kizaru, and Akainu. And I knew that all of their names were Red Dog, Yellow Monkey, and Blue Pheasant. Um, and then so when I watched Kuroko no Basket, and I met Kisei, I didn't realize that on Kisei. It wasn't until I got to Almine where I realized, like, oh, shit, Almine, Al, and then I know Blue Pheasant. I was like, oh, his name means blue. And then I realized for Kisei and then Akashi, and I was like, oh, shit. And then I eventually I, I learned about uh, Mitarima and then uh, Murasakabara. Yeah, really, really cool that they all, again, the color thing is dope. Uh, and a lot of anime actually do something very similar to that. So 
you know, this is like a typical Japanese trope. Like I said, this anime is shonen as fuck. Uh, but yeah, Kisei and, and Kagami, they have like a bunch of exchanges. But when Almane and Kagami meet, he explains to him about the whole shadow light thing with Kuriko. He tells him, he, Almane tells him like, listen, you're decent at basketball. You're not as good as you think you are. And you're not even good enough to really get the full power out of Kuriko. Like, he, <laughs> and what he says is, your light isn't bright enough. And he says this to him while they're playing a one-on-one. So it's, anime. Oh, it's so anime. He tells him your light isn't bright enough to draw out the power of the shadow, like to make his shadow really the as big <laughs> as it can be. Uh, and when you think of it, they show like this, this illustration too of, you know, uh, Kuriko's shadow and how big it is. And then they show it next to Almine and like it's gigantic. And they show it next to Kagami. And it's like, you're, you're not even drawing out like 50% of his power because you're not as good as you could be. So therefore he's not as good either. Basically he can't reach his max potential until you do. Yep. Uh, but yeah, that whole thing, I, I love like... I love when they play one-on-one. It's one of my favorite parts of the entire series just because something I love about Kuriko's uh, basketball is the broken English they say. They yes. speak. And so when they say one-on-one, like when they one-on-one. say one-on-one, yeah. the way they say it makes me laugh every time I love it. But because it's a combination of it sounding funny but also sounding epic at the same time. Because yeah. like they sound fucking epic when they say it but also just sounds funny because I speak English. So, I don't know. I just, I love that part. It's really funny. Speaking of their one-on-one, that is one of the best scenes in the entire anime season one so far because, uh, yeah, Amine's broken, and the animation on him when he's playing against Kagami is insane. He starts doing these crazy dribbling techniques and these crossovers and this behind-his-back shit with the ball. Mm-hmm. The way he starts doing these mix-ups, and he does this thing, I call it blitzing, but he says, like, your light's too dim, and he blitzes past him and, like, does a flash step with, like, lightning and everything. Like, he lightning flashed up past Kagami and Kagami's left stuck there with like the big eyes and he does the typical high thing and you just see Amine blitz past him and then dunk the ball or like shoot the ball or whatever uh, that yep. scene for me was insane like when I first saw it I was like yo this guy is nuts he's absolutely fucking nuts he's, so, he's my favorite character I fucking I love Amine there's just oh, something about him we should bring up this too Speaking of him being your what? favorite character, he's also voiced by Grimjaw and Sukuna. So Grimjaw yep. from Bleach and Sukuna from JJK has the it's the same voice actor doing Amine's voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's, he's my favorite character. The voice actor is amazing, and the asshole characters. Amine is a hundred and ten percent who I wish I was. The character who I it, like truly, if I were a character in here, I'm not going to say who it is because they didn't. They're not really part of season one. But if I were to technically who I actually am as a person, identify with. Another character, there it's somebody else who's in season two. Okay. But the person who I wish I was is Almin. A hundred like I uh, yeah. like Almine so is cool. who I wish I was. The way Almine speaks, and then the fact that he has the skill to back it up. No one can beat me but me. Mm-hmm. Uh don't get ahead of yourself. Like you know, I crush people so bad their spirits are broken. Uh yeah. he's he's nuts. Like he is actually just unreal broken at basketball so when he plays kagami in one-on-one he just he just blitzes him destroys him it's not close so we're going to talk a bit more about almine and kisei in a little bit but before then let's jump back to uh midorima because he's like the next because there's like we said there's like games in between them but the biggest the biggest things are like the first game against kisei and then like the game against midorima yeah and then the game against almine and then there's a game after that 
So they end up pulling it out against Kisei. The first generation of Miracles got a play against. They end up winning by the skin of their teeth. I think they went by like one point, one of those really mm-hmm. nail-biter situations. But they end up beating Kisei. And the next person they have to play is Minorima, who is known as the guy who can't miss. Like, his shots always go in. And he has... I like this character a lot. So this character resonates with me on a different level because you can tell that he's, like, super intelligent. And he also has the cool I wear glasses thing so I push them up whenever I say something cocky like he just does the cobble <laughs> like you know what I mean like that typical glasses yeah. wearing character from a shonen who every time they say something condescending or broken they push their glasses up as they're saying it I just love that shit like I fucking I go yeah. up for characters pushing their glasses up when they say something so ridiculous that just always gets me um, and also some of my favorite characters in anime just wear glasses like I love Aizen and Aizen used to for fake I guess wear glasses which I kind of do real life like i wear glasses definitely for fake not for my eyes though i just wear them because for show eisen wore them for show as well so i, fucking <laughs> lo- like, I just love i just love that uh but yeah, the other thing i love about Mitarima is that he so he's incredible he's obviously an incredible talent right and like fraser said his thing is that like he can't miss so to speak um his shots he's like the perfect three-point shooter but the thing that i love about him is he's one of the characters that it really shows whereas kisei is this incredible talent and he was able to just do everything just kind of naturally, had a natural ability for everything. Um, but he still had to practice because he tried to be better than Almine, et cetera. But I think Mitarima, although it's clear that he obviously has just a, a God-given talent as well. The other thing that's clear to me is that he really shows how hard he works on, on multiple levels. He clearly practices a ton, practices three-pointers, and he always has his fingers taped up. He And he always, like, he does his nails. He wanted to make sure his nails are, like, perfect. That like he does, he takes care of his body and his practice and everything in a, such a way so that he always has he gives himself the best chance. He practices as much as he can, but then he does that like he's really into like superstitious stuff. He, he believes in his horoscope and he believes in like his lucky item for the day, which is like a really Japanese thing. But and he but he takes incredible care of his fingers and all this. Practice. He does everything he can to give himself the best chance at winning. He's not satisfied with just the fact that he knows he's the best three-point shooter in the league. He's beyond that, make sure he does everything he can to give himself and his team the best chance at winning. It's not like nothing's ever good enough. There's a, a level of dedication he has that I really, really respect because even outside the game, just down to always knowing you're lucky, what, what's, what is like your horoscope and what's lucky for the day for you. Like he takes all of that in and I find that part to be so funny too. The whole <laughs> lucky item every day, he'll have some random thing with him. And one day it was like a raccoon holding a tambourine or some shit. And like, yeah, it is always some random. He's like, today's lucky item is a sphere, like a Rubik's cube, but all black. And he'll just have a, Rubik, a, a black Rubik's cube with him. And then, like, tomorrow's lucky item is a raccoon holding a squirrel. And it'll just be, yep. like, a raccoon holding a baby squirrel. And he just always makes sure. So he's really big into superstitious stuff. He's big into, like, your horoscope. I think Kagami's a Leo. And he's, like, a cancer or something. He's like, well, today, my horoscope said that you're going to have bad luck with a Leo. So yep, he, he was up, like, oh, my God. He was like, they're always right. They're always right. Yeah, because he starts losing in their game. But here's the thing. So everyone knows Steph Curry, whether you like basketball or not, you know who the fuck Steph Curry is. He's the greatest shooter of all time. That is a fact, not a not an opinion. Uh, statistically, just straight up stats, he is the absolute best shooter who's ever played basketball. And Mitarima, to me, is designed after this character. I don't know what truly came first, okay? Because this anime came out in, like, what, 2015 or something like that? Maybe The anime is pretty old. My guess is that he's probably, his initial inspiration is probably Larry Bird. 
Okay. I don't know what Larry Bird. Bird. Yeah. Larry Bird was just like historically known as like the greatest three point shooter, like Mm. throughout all time. Uh, So historically it was like, everybody would always compare that to Larry Bird. So my guess is that he's probably inspired by Larry. Cause once again, me and Frazier don't super follow basketball. So I don't know when Steph Curry got as popular as he is now and as good as because he's incredible. Like Steph is like you said, everybody knows who he is. He's incredible. He's valued as one of the fucking best shooters ever or if not the best. But I think historically it's probably based on Larry Bird. Okay. Well, I say Steph Curry for a specific reason. So Larry Bird, I've heard the name before, of course, because he is a pretty big name. Um, Steph Curry has since broken like every record for shooting. Like he holds all of the records for shooting in in the NBA history. So it's not like now it's just not even fucking close to stuff that Steph has done. Um, and the only reason I know that is because the years where Steph versus LeBron was like five years straight, the NBA Finals was literally mm-hmm. Golden State versus Le- whatever team LeBron was on. That was five years straight. And those five years are some of the best years of basketball. And like I said, even though I'm not like a big fan of watching, you know, regular season games, stuff like that, I would watch the NBA Finals because I just find that to be like kind of exciting to see it played. This is the highest level. These are the two best teams this year mm-hmm. playing. And for five years straight, it was Steph Curry versus LeBron. I think they ended like 3-2. Um, Steph, Steph getting three and LeBron getting two, something like that. And I, seeing this one picture that I'll never forget, this shit lives rent-free and I actually want this portrait. I think I've seen it in a barbershop. It might have been a barbershop, but somebody has a fucking big picture of it. So in this anime, Kirko's Basketball, Mitarima does this one part where he shoots a three from half court and everybody on the court is looking to see if the ball is going to go in and the all all the music stops. There's no music in the anime when his ball is taken off his fingers when it leaves his fingers and it goes airborne. The music stops the uh, the sound effects <laughs> stop and all you hear basically is like the sound of a ball moving briskly through the air and everyone's eyes watching it literally like the arc of the ball. Everyone's eyes are watching (laughs) the arc of the ball to see if it's going to go in. However, there's one person who is telling everybody on his team to start running to the other side of the court. (laughs) And that is Kuroko because Kuroko (laughs) has experience with Midorima playing on the same team as him. And while everybody else has their mouth agape, and waiting to see if the ball is going to go in or not to catch the rebound. Because that's kind of the goal is like you're looking to see if the ball is going to bounce off the rim because then you get the rebound. I do know that at least. And again, while that's happening, Kuroko is already running past the people who are just standing there dumbfounded. And he's telling them, run to the other side. The, yeah. The coolest part. Like about the ball this, is going to go in. The coolest part about this for me is that Mitarima has his back turned and he's walking to the other side of the court. So like the shot, the wide angle of it is Mirarima with his back turned. Every other player on the court looking at the ball before it goes in. And then Kuriko <laughs> running past them to meet Mirarima on the other side to play deep. Cause like now it's time to get on defense, you know what I mean? Or now it's time to get on offense. Um, so I love that shot. Now the it's reason why such I was wondering- awesome 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 thing the like, reason why so i was good. wondering if that was possibly modeled after steph curry there's this fucking picture this is a real picture not yeah this is a real picture this happened in a real fucking nba game of steph curry with his back turned a ball is in the air and everyone on the court 
is literally under the basket or like <laughs> like waiting to see what's going to happen with the ball and Steph is literally walking to the other side of the fucking court and He's it's like, empty it's just him it is just done it's even more broken than the anime scene because the anime scene at least like Kuroko was aware of what's happening and he's like this shit's going in just run to the other side in real life the only person who understands that ball is going in a hundred percent is Steph Curry and his back is already turned and Steph is so broken and like I love watching him shoot it is fucking scary because it's real life it's not anime like this is a real person that can make half court shots regularly like he regularly shoots these fucking bombs out of his hands and they just go in and he knows when they're going to go in so he does like cocky things i'll never forget there was the one nba finals where he was about to win his fourth ring so this is the most recent one this is like two years ago and uh he shot the ball and everyone's doing that thing again where they're like waiting to see if it goes in he looks to the crowd because i think they were in a in a way game so it's, it's the other team's crowd cheering you know or booing in this case he looks at them while the ball is midair and he starts going like this with his fingers counting to four he goes one two three and the ball crashes down and he does the four like that he puts up his four fingers when i tell you i watched that shit live i was like bro this is the greatest shit i've ever seen in my entire life like he's so cocky but broken that he backs it up so Rima in this anime when i saw that scene i was like yo that's the fucking steph curry now i don't know if somebody yeah. else did it before then and maybe that's like where steph curry might have been inspired by it but i think that it's fucking yeah, awesome yeah, yeah. that kuroko's basketball oh, took that and like put that into the anime it's so fucking awesome. He does that shot. And then I love the first time he so like he shoots a three. And then at one point, he's like at the half court. The first time he does the half court shot, he says, like, I thought I told y'all. Like, <laughs> he, no, he said, I'm telling you, my range isn't that short. First of all, <laughs> yes, that's a exactly three pointer. A three pointer in general is already like it's a hard shot to do just in general. Yeah. Right. A regular three pointer from the from the three point line. And so he does it at half court and he's like, my range isn't that short. Talking about just the three point line. And he makes it. And then he gets guarded by Kagami far away from the basket. So the normal three point shot is like easy for him. But then they're at half mm -hmm. court and Kagami's guarding him. He's like, well, you can't make it from here. And he tells him like, my distance is not that short. And he just shoots not that, that short. Court and it goes right in. And then later in the fucking game, he like <laughs> he's at his basket. He's at full fucking court and they're like typically in basketball, like, you know, they're lined up sort of at half court on their side. They're like ready to play defense for them to come in. And Midorima's at his side by himself. And he's like, I thought I told y'all my range isn't that short. <laughs> and he fucking posts up and he shoots a three from full fucking court. Yeah, like no, it's it really is dumb. insane. Yeah. So it's actually nuts because, uh, I love the three-point shot. I think that it's really cool. One of the things that I know about basketball, and this is from just talking with my sports friends who love it and they just get super enthusiastic about it, is that like Steph Curry completely changed basketball uh, before his constant three-point shots from anywhere. People didn't used to take those shots because like you would be benched if you started just shooting balls from the half court thinking that that was okay. Like That's not something that... Mm -hmm. That just looks crazy, right? Like that's just an insane, especially when you're missing. If you if you're missing those, it's like, bro, don't do that shit again. Like, do not. You're costing us the game. Um, yeah. Steph Curry now, and I've heard this from a lot of people, is that every player nowadays has to have a three. It used to be like, oh, you're a big man, like Shaq, so that's the position you play. And like, you're a big man, you can't make foul shots, but that's fine because you're so fucking big that you get every rebound, and that's good enough. We just need you to get the rebounds. You don't even have to be good at shooting. Like, Shaq wasn't necessarily a great shooter either. He's just so fucking big that he could dunk the ball, he could drive, and he could get rebounds. And that was like his talent. Shaq is one of the most dominant players of all time. No one could mm -hmm. ever deny it. 
Uh, but then the NBA changed a lot when Steph started going crazy because every team was looking like, yo, we need that to combat that. Because not only was he good at it, but that Golden State was also winning. Like they're considered a dynasty. Yeah. They're considered one of these. It's, it's funny because what you're saying is true and that like they were constantly, like if he's always scoring threes and you're scoring twos, even if you make the same number of baskets, the point lead is going to, and Mitarima says that. He's like, okay, you guys have a counter, but you guys have this really fast counter where after I score my three, because the thing with Mitarima's three is it has such a high arc, it gives the other team time to counter, right. like set up for the counter. He's like, you may be able to counter my three and like get a revenge basket. He's like, but at the end of the day, I'm scoring threes and you're scoring twos. Yep. So the gap's just going to get wider. Like I'm still going to win. Yeah. It's just and that's what the Steph Curry thing. Like if, if he's shooting threes and you guys aren't, then like you're not going to catch up. Like he's, his points are worth more than your points. Yeah. And it, it was a perfect storm too. Cause while most of it is given to Steph Curry as being the greatest shooter of all time, uh, number two is actually Clay Thompson and they're on the same team. And that's just. <laughs> From what I understand, that's just by chance that that happened like that. But Clay Thompson is considered the number. They both broke the record for the most three points ever made in the game. Like, I think they both scored nine. They broke the record, and then the other one broke it, and then the other one broke it back. So, like, they both have shot at least nine threes in a single quarter or in a single game or something like that. Whatever the record was, I know that they, those two people have broke it back to, like, they've broken it back and forth. Uh, but they're on the same team. So what's happening is you have one team that has two of the best shooters ever, specific, specifically three-point shooters at that. They're on the same team. So the whole league is looking like, well, shit. These guys are winning the NBA championship. They're getting to the finals. Even if they don't win, they still get to the finals. And they're going against LeBron, who's like, you know, another prodigy person, the only person that can actually stand against them. And you can't contend if you don't have either a LeBron on your team or another ridiculous three-point shooter. So everybody started to develop a, a jump shot. Everybody started to develop a three-point shot. And what's happening is that kids these days from a young age, and, and especially now like the college kids coming into the league, they all can shoot threes. It's just like a thing now. Like you can't just be like, oh, I'm a big man and that's good enough. Or you can't just be like, oh, I'm like really good at driving or dunking or I'm really athletic. And that's just, it's like, you have to be able to shoot a three. Mm -hmm. You just, you just have to. So it's cool to see that. I'll bring this up too, because the, the anime, Kuriko's Basketball, they bring up Tiger Woods and like Michael Jordan. They talk about how they were so fucking good at their individual sport that the rules had to change because mm -hmm. of them that the sport itself they said that there are these there are these people who are so good at the sport that they play they use tiger woods as a, the first example they said that tiger used to hit the fucking ball so far that literally no one could compete with it and he would win every single whatever it's called whatever the things are called for golf he would win every single golf championship because no one could even come close to hitting the ball as hard as far as he could so they literally changed they moved the goalpost quite literally moved the goalpost so that that way he can't just win by default because he's just better at shooting than everyone else yep. michael jordan same type of thing he's so good at the sport and they talk about like Shaq and stuff like that like there are these people who are so good that they literally get the rules changed and what's dope to me about that and i wish they would have mentioned this I remember growing up in Philadelphia and in Philadelphia, the greatest basketball player will always be Allen Iverson basically for us because Allen Iverson got us closest to a championship and he's just mm -hmm. revered and renowned as one of the best basketball players ever, even though he's never actually won a chip. Um, other great basketball players acknowledge him as one of the best players they've ever played against. Kobe talked about him all the time. They had a rivalry uh, and there's several other people who played in NBA who said like Allen Iverson was the real deal. He was so much the real deal that if you remember the AI crossover, that shit got banned. <laughs> The league literally changed the rules on the he went once he crossed over Michael Jordan. They were like, okay, 
this shit is clearly if it works on Mike, it works on first of all, it already worked on everybody he did it on before that. But once he did it to Michael Jordan, they were like, Yeah, this this is a bit much. Like it's kind of unfair. No one else can do it. No one else was able to replicate it at that time that movement that he would do, and everyone's ankles was getting fucking broken. It was like, so fucking saucy. Everybody, the AI crossover was so fucking. It was iconic, uh, bro. That shit was iconic. You go look up on YouTube. Look up Alan Iverson crossover. You'll see. I'm sure that there's a million compilation videos of literally oh, sure. some of your faves breaking their ankles, like literally just falling around, dancing. Okay, they be fucking <laughs> dancing. AI would have you out there looking crazy. AI had people looking crazy. I'm talking about uh, your faves. He had them looking absolutely nuts on the court with the crossover. So they banned it. They literally got rid of it. They said that you couldn't do it anymore. It's considered like, I, I don't know, a travel or something. I, I forget what they ended up doing, but they basically made that specific move. You cannot do it anymore. And then he like adapted, of course, and was still great. But that move made him uncontested, like the hardest person to guard. No one, no one could mm-hmm. actually guard him while that was a thing. So I wish that Coricos basketball would have mentioned it, but they did mention Shaq, Jordan. They mentioned um, Tiger Woods as being people who are so good that like they changed the sports rules because of how good they are. So that was awesome to me. But yes, yeah, it's pretty awesome. incredible. Midorima is dope. I, I love his dedication. I love his three pointer. I love how cocky it is. I love um going to like, uh, so real quick, not just on him. He's got his like the other guy on his team. That's also his whole team's good. There's something else. So outside of the generation of miracles in high school, there's something known. as I think there was like the four Kings or the five Kings. I forget, but there's like these five high schools yeah, or four high it's schools, four, I think, four, whatever yeah. that were so broken. Like these four high schools were like before the generation of miracles came in. These were like the four best high schools. And each one of them ended up recruiting one of the generation of miracles. And then, um, so the one meter is on is one of the, the four Kings, like one of the best four high schools in the league. And so all the players on the, on the team are good. There's just one player. His name's Takao. And he has what they call like the, the Hawkeye. And somebody on uh, Saren's team has the Eagle Eye on Kuriko's team. But essentially, it's like, you know, them giving cool anime names to it. But what they basically have is like incredible spatial awareness. They're they're able to like look at the court and look at the game, look at the people on it. And they have like this spatial awareness where even if they're not looking at you anymore, it's like they saw where you were going and they're like, they can be constantly aware of like where you're and at and what you're this doing. Overhead view of the whole field with mm-hmm. all the players on it. And they say that people who have the eagle eye in basketball, they're able to see the entire field despite not actually being able to see an overhead of it. They kind of see it from that top down angle. Yeah. So it's like, despite the fact that I'm on the right side of the court, because I scanned the court, I actually can see it from the top down. So I have a perfect view of like where the ball should be going and what might be happening next. And I can like maneuver to the perfect spots. It's it's actually an insane ability. And I was thinking like, damn, I wonder if basketball players, because you play it so much, like I, you imagine how much LeBron has played basketball in his life. He's one of the best players ever, if not the actual best player ever. And he yeah. probably has that exact ability to literally see everything by just a quick scan like i know exactly where every person is on my team i know everyone is on the other team i know and most importantly i know where the ball is at all times and i think that's really cool like they call it the eagle eye but yeah yeah and that's something that they kind of use to help shut down kuriko a bit because even though he's really good at misdirection this guy takao um i think i'm saying his name correctly he um he was able to kind of catch kuriko and in, in different spots where he didn't expect to be caught but he's really good i wanted to just give him a shout out but uh, to the end of that game, uh, it's really close. Then uh, Kuriko's team ends up being up by like one or two. And then it's like the buzzer beater. Mitarima is about to hit a three. 
And it's this really cool thing where they can tell Kagami's like exhausted and he can't really jump anymore. They're like, he's not going to be able to get like this full velocity jump as high as he's been doing to block these shots anymore. And so he's like gassed. They don't expect him to be able to do it. And so it comes down to the end. It's a buzzer beater. And Midorima has this thing where he says like the reason why um, I I need to be able to make a shot from anywhere on the court is because in basketball, there's like it's not uncanny that in the last few seconds, like comebacks happen. You have to like make a comeback happen in the last few seconds of the game and you have to score a buzzer beater. He's like, because I can make a shot from anywhere, like it becomes one of the most valuable things because I can always win the game in the last second with my shooting range. And so he's going up to do this three pointer. And then Kagami ends up like getting all of his fucking effort to jump in the air and block it one last time, even though nobody thought he'd be able to like muster that that energy again. And then Midorima, it's like this is that anime shit where Kagami pushes his limits. And Midorima goes, I believed in you. I knew you were going to push your limits. I knew you were able to jump up and block my shot. And so he does a pump fake and doesn't go up. And then he goes to go up and shoot the buzzer beater after doing a pump fake. And then Kuriko comes out of nowhere like, I believed in him too. Yes. And I knew you saw his talent. So I knew knew you knew he was going to surpass his limits. And you were going to pump fake. And Kuriko is right there. Bang. Smacks the ball out of uh, Midorima's hand as he does the pump fake. Doesn't know that he's there. And it's like, it's one of those cool anime moments where it's like, oh, it's I insane. surpassed my limits. I knew you were going to surpass your limits and I was ready for it. And then like Kuriko comes out of nowhere. It's so fucking The episode hype. is called I Believe in You. And at first, when I'm first watching the episode, so I love this. I love the <laughs> title of the episode. Because when you're, when you first get to the episode, I watched it on Crunchyroll. The episode's called I Believe in You. And it doesn't really mean anything when you first see the title. When you get mm-hmm. to the end of the episode and it's that, clinch moment where Midorima is about to go for his three and if he makes this shot they will win like Midorima's team the green-haired guy from the generation of miracles um they will win if the shot goes in and at this time to backtrack a little bit Kagami's ability awakened during this game so like I said every person from the generation of miracles has a special ability right and up until this point, Kagami and, and Kuroko have been beating all the other teams they played against. They've, they've been doing a clean sweep since episode one of all the teams. They've been surviving. They beat Kisei, who's from the Generation of Miracles. They played some of this iron defense team that actually got yeah. through them. And then they finally have to play another Generation of Miracles guy, the second one. They run into Minarima, who's the best shooter. And during this game, it's revealed that Kagami's ability has awakened and it's like high jumps. That's his ability. He could jump extremely high, higher than anyone else on the court and higher than anyone else in the generation of miracles, at least right now that we've seen um, from the ones in season one. But that's his actual ability is that how high he can jump from the ground. However, it does not come without a drawback like every other character. There's always drawbacks. So Midorima's drawback was that he could shoot from anywhere, but then because he's shooting so far away and because there's such a crazy arc on the shot, it gives the other team a chance to say, fuck it, that ball's going in. We might as well set up for our offense, right? Because we're going to yeah. get the ball. So we might as well set up for our offense and you get like a fast break and you get like all kinds of other things because of how uh, perceived, how slow perceived that shot is to go in. Now, Kisei's copycat ability, like we said, it only works if you are technically worse than him or he perceives you to be worse than him. He can't really copy anything higher than him, so he can't copy like Amine. We'll get to that. And he can't copy NBA players. Uh, And then you get to Kagami, who is basically like a, a person who the anime is 
in so many words saying he is also part of generation of miracles he just wasn't officially a part of it his talent mm-hmm. level clearly rivals theirs that's like a very clear thing that the anime is trying to he's the protagonist right so every episode he's getting better and he's pushing himself he's he's saying i need to get stronger i'm not strong enough and he starts to disregard his team and say that i don't need my team i just need to be better because if i'm better then we'll just win anyway so his ability awakens is this high jump thing and the drawback is that it fucking damages him literally like his body his frame because he's so young and because he's so lanky because at this time he's not really into weight training like that so his legs are weak when he comes down from those high ass jumps naturally his knees and his legs and everything they're fucking starting to buckle and so the coach tells him the, the the girl coach she says like you can do that but in the next half, like in an, or I should say in the last quarter, your limit, because she has this weird ability where she can like scouter you. She she can look at you and see your stats. So she can see like how high you can jump, how, how much you can run back and forth, your stamina. She can see your jump shot ability. She can just look at you and scan you and see your stats. Well, she looks at him and they're in this fourth quarter against uh, Minarima, the best three-pointer, the best shooter. And she says, you can only do that high jump two more times. So try to save it until we really, really need it. As soon as the fourth quarter starts, in the first like two minutes, he throws out one of the jumps. So she's like, what the fuck? I told you to save the two jumps to like towards the end of the fourth quarter because we're really going to need it. But he says, actually, I'm going to throw one out immediately. So as soon as the fourth quarter starts, Mitarima goes to shoot. And he's like, I don't think you can keep doing that jump. So I'm going to shoot this ball, but I can keep doing his jump shot. So he does the <laughs> jump shot from a, from half court and Kagami jumps up and immediately smacks the shit away. And who first, called the SWAT team? Right, who called the slot team? And at first, they're like, what the fuck? Why would he use one of his two in the chamber when they're supposed to save those and ration them out, right, for an important moment? And the gamble is, if I use one immediately, you will think that I can just keep doing this. Hopefully, that's yeah, what you'll I'm think. Yeah, I'm still in here. You'll think like, oh, shit, he doesn't have a limit because he just, why would he fire one off if he only had two left in the chamber? So if I like, you know, if I shoot a gun and you're you're counting my rounds and you don't know that my gun has been modified to have like three extra shots in it. You might count seven bullets or however many a, a revolver has and say, okay, he's out of shots. And then you'll reveal yourself and then you get shot. And it's like, oh yeah, my gun actually has a couple more shots in it because it's modified. Um, so that's like a cool thing that he did where it's like a lot like psychology. He thinks that like, if I show you in the beginning of the fourth quarter that I'm not gassed, you'll assume, oh God, he can keep doing that the whole quarter. Yep. When in reality, he can't. So he ends up using both of them both of the high jumps before the end of the game. So when it gets to the point that Kenny was speaking about, where it's Midorima versus Kagami, and this is for the game. Midorima's about to take a shot. We know all his shots go in. They always go in every single time, no question. So it's at the point where if Kagami can't block it, the game will end. And his legs are buckled. They're like weakened. He he really can't jump again, but he pushes past his limits. You know, that word Genkai comes up. He pushes past his limits and he jumps up in the air anyway. And he does his high jump. And Midorima's like, I knew that you were going to surpass your limits because I believed in you. And because of that, I pump faked. So that way you you lose, you use your last jump and I'm not even going for the shot just yet. And then I'm going to shoot after you come down. And when he goes for it, that's when, like Kenny said, that amazing scene where Kuroko comes and says, I believed in him too. And I knew <laughs> that you were going to know that he would surpass his limits. So he like picks the ball for me to ream the game's over. I, I think that was uh, an amazing it's- fucking... It's yeah. such an amazing, amazing moment. And then before we finish this game, one quick shout out to like the captain of the team. So there's the coach who's this girl and like the real coach. I think they say it in like episode one, but I don't know if you ever really see him. The real coach is technically her dad, but he's just not really there. 
so she's the coach of the team. She's like the coach and the manager, and um, she does everything for them. She like gives them massages and like wraps their inju- injuries, etc. And then like the team captain, the guy on the court that's the team captain and like keeps the morale together is Huga. And I fucking love Huga. He's like he's their senpai, and he talks all this shit and like you know keeps them level headed sometimes. But he's actually a really good three point shooter too. Not as good as uh, Mitarima, but he's a good three point shooter. Right, and he. Like they should have a flashback where they show him last year and like he really wanted to get better at his three point shot. And so he asked the coach, like, like, how can I get better? Like, what should I do to make my three point shot better? And they come up with this thing where she breaks. He's like he has like these collectibles, like these action figure collectibles. (laughs) And they have this thing where like she brings them out and then he takes these three point shots. And every time he misses, she breaks one of them. And so the thing is like. That and so it's so like wild to me. It's like it's clutch time. Like you got to get better at doing these three point shots because every time you miss, I'm going to break something you love. And then that ends up making him like super practice and get way better at three point shots. Still not as good as me to Rima, but he ends up becoming a really good three point shooter. He's a good inspiration for the team. And I love that whole thing where it's like, I'm going to break your fucking toys. Yeah, that's a nice little character shots. Explains yeah. why some of the people are, are good. So there's a lot of other things I actually want to speak about um, in terms of his anime. I have a lot written down here that we haven't really yeah. even covered. So I want to just kind of like speed through some yeah, of his other topics. Before we hit some of the other stuff, yeah. Okay, so one of the things that I thought was awesome when Kagami and Mitarima were playing, it was around like halftime when they were about to go back to their lockers. And Kagami walks up to Mitarima and asks him for his hand, and then he writes his name. He writes Kagami <laughs> in Mitarima's hand. And Mitarima's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, why would you write your name on my hand? He's like, because you seem like the type to act like you don't remember somebody. So I'm going to write my name in your hand so that you'll never fucking forget me because you seem like the type to act like you don't remember me. So yeah, you want to act like you want to act brand new, like you don't know who the fuck I am. Yeah. So he writes his name in his hand. It's so disrespectful, like writing your name and telling somebody yeah, I wrote that so you never forget me. That shit was clutch <laughs> to me. I thought that was amazing because me and Rima is super cocky. He's super, super cocky. He's like pushes the glasses up. He's like, yeah, I already read the horoscope for the day. I got my lucky item. The stars are in alignment. Everything's perfect. The wind is great. I had a great bowel movement this morning like everything is going <laughs> everything's going great like you you guys are cooked i'm gonna win no question i'm from the generation of miracles you are not uh you can never be up to me like your standards aren't up there blah 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 your coach sucks your mom sucks your dad sucks everything about you sucks uh, i got better teeth than you i got better fucking fingernails than you my bitch is better my chicken's better my car is better my fucking house is better like he's just going off and you know kagami ends up pulling it out he ends up winning and uh, yeah, he writes his he writes his name on his on his hand. I thought that was fucking funny as hell. There's this one thing though that Japanese anime is notorious for doing, and it's just being like oh, no. racist. <laughs> and uh, I thought it was funny because I just I tend to find racism like funny because I don't like to be depressed about it. Um, but there's this one character that they introduce who is uh, from Senegal, so he's black. He's from a part of Africa, and he uh, he's gigantic, so he's tall as shit. But there's a couple things that the Japanese like to do. So you guys remember Kami from Dragon Ball. And there's like a bunch of other characters that have been portrayed a certain way <laughs> in Japanese anime. Like big lips, super dark skins. Uh, the lips are like really pink and just like overly big. And like the noses are drawn a certain way. And then the way the characters speak, the way they actually yeah. speak is always fucked. So this guy, they call him Papa Manuel or Papaya Ito or Dad. They have like all these weird names for him. Yeah, right? their nickname is like Dad. They just like call him Big Daddy straight up or call some him shit Dad. like that. But yeah. yeah, he's he's from Senegal. So he's black. He's the only black character in the show that I've seen. Even though some of the Japanese people, they do have different uh, shades of skin. Like 
Amine's skin is Amine's dark. Yeah, Amine yeah. is like very, very, very dark compared to everyone else. And then like even even um the best defense guy who was on one of the, the four Kings teams, he had like a pretty bald head. Uh, he also had a very like darker shade of skin. So, but m- for the most part, you know, everyone just looks like a typical Japanese citizen. But this guy from Senegal, he comes in. First of all, he comes in late. So like he shows <laughs> up late to the fucking game. Which is already just low key kind of like, all right, I get it. Like, color people time is real, you know. Like, we we tend to show up to things oh, no. fashionably late, but like the fact that he comes in late was already one thing, and I didn't even pick up on it at first until I put together everything at the end. So he comes in late, and then they're like calling him all these weird nicknames, like Papa Manuel and stuff like that. He's like, oh, he's from Senegal. He's so big. Like, holy shit, he must be like two meters tall. And they're just talking about how how tall he is and how like crazy his physique is. You know, typical stuff that you hear about, like, Kevin Durant. Um, but then they make him speak. So he speaks Japanese, but he speaks, and I cannot say this in any other way. He sounds like he's slow. Like, yeah. the way he actually speaks, and I can't, I'm not even going to try to do a mimicry of it. I suggest that if you've ever watched Kuroko, just go refresh it and watch, like, the pop, you know, type in Papaya Ito, or type in Papa Manuel, or type in Senegal, Kuroko basketball player, uh, and you'll see the clips regarding him. But he sounds like he is uh, mentally unwell or like not all there. And there's a stronger word that I can use that I'm not going to, but that's what he sounds like. <laughs> so they make him seem kind of slow, which I feel like is unnecessary, of course. But I did find <laughs> it funny the way he speaks because it's just so ridiculous because it's a Japanese person doing the voice. It is so ridiculous. Oh, it's so... Kenny, did you... Like when you watch this anime, you noticed oh, it too, right? Like it's... So it's... it's In my opinion, it is like... Because it is funny... But yes. it's it's like funny, but at the same time, it is kind of fucked up. It, in my opinion, it is probably the worst part of the anime. I agree. And it's the, and it's the scariest part because it happens. It's like episode three. Or it, two. No, it's really like early. It, it happens very early. And it's the scariest part of the anime because the anime overall, I think, is really, really good and has like really good messaging and et cetera. But there is a part very early on that feels kind of fucking racist. Yeah. So for no reason. So it came out of nowhere. Yeah. And it's so it's scary because. You recommend it to people because you know the, the overall it's fucking an incredible anime. But there is this one part kind of early on yeah. that's a little racist and might be a little bit hard for some people to get past because like yeah. it's, it, it it's kind of it's it's definitely the worst part of the entire series in my opinion. Just like episode two or episode three, there's just like this really weird like racist thing that happens. Yeah, and, and it like, goes on for a while too. And at first I was thinking like maybe I'm being overly sensitive because I'm a guy. Who I accept the I accept the way the world is, even though I don't like it. But I understand like racism does exist. I don't deny that it exists, and I'm not trying to like victimize myself or make myself always be like, "Well, was me? I'm black, and my life has always been hard because I'm black." Whether that be true or not, uh, mm-hmm. I don't really try to push that onto people all the time, and I'm not the kind of guy to bring it up all the time. That's just not who I am. Uh, but facts are facts, and the Japanese have they've been notorious in anime for depicting us as just like these. I don't even know these like subhuman character sometimes so this i was surprised because this anime came out in the 2010s and i was just shocked to be like oh shit this is like this is exactly what i thought it was like they made this guy kind of slow he comes in late the characters are making fun of him they're kind of mimicking his voice they're making all these weird nicknames for him and shit like that but i I did find it funny because i tend to laugh at things that are like 
like that. Like I just tend to laugh at things that are whatever. So like I said, Dave Chappelle's my favorite comedian. And if I accept that Dave Chappelle is going to make fun of like pretty much everyone, right? He says mm-hmm. some really fucked up things, but I just find him, it's comedy. So I, I yeah. try to just put it in that, in that box of like, if you treat this as comedy, you won't be so offended by it. And that's just kind of how I cope with things like that. And then that's yeah, just yeah, me personally. Yeah. Uh, there's this other thing that I want to talk about. The captain of Shutoku, which is the team that Mitarima plays for. He has this one quote that I wrote down because it reminded me of Tywin. He says, no matter if we're dealing with a tiger or a rabbit, a lion's goal is always the same crush it with every bit of our might mm. and that fucking quote for me i rewinded it because i was like damn not only is that like some tight one shit but that just sounds am- like it just sounds really good <laughs> so i wrote it down because i just thought it was you know Taiwan says a lion does not concern himself with the dealings of sheep mm-hmm. and, and I, ever since i watched game of thrones season one and the first time you see Taiwan, he's in war and he's in his camp and he's like literally cutting open a uh stag i think or like a yep. yeah yeah no it's a stag yeah he's cutting, it's like a, it's like symbolism it is symbolism yes he's always like killing the animal that he's about to victimize in that season so baratheon's uh, symbol is actually a stag if i'm not mistaken and yeah yeah and one of the seasons the Starks are the wolves, so you see him literally, you know, doing the same thing. He's flaying a wolf, and this kind of happens like multiple times throughout the show, where he tends to be working on an animal, and it's the exact animal of the family who he's about to fuck. Really yep. bad this season. Anyway, I don't know how we always end up on Game of Thrones, but uh, yeah, Game of Thrones quote, or One Piece, it has to happen every time. But yeah, that quote. Since I heard the whole thing about the lion and like the lion's goal is always the same, whether you're fighting a tiger or a rabbit, crush it with every bit of your might. I just love that. Uh, we talked about Kagame unlocking his ability. Oh, there was a part where Kuriko punches Kagame in the face for being self-centered. It was like when he was doing his Kobe thing. And there's a lot of this thing where they get kind of physical with each other. I don't know. I never really played basketball on a team. So I don't know if this is like real, but judging by the thing that happened between Draymond Green and uh, Jordan Poole last year, that was really big because it was leaked. It wasn't supposed to be public, but somebody like leaked the tape where Draymond Green sucker punched Jordan Poole. And then Jordan Poole shortly after that left the team. Uh, and the team synergy just was all different and weird after that. Uh, obviously Draymond got like suspended and things like that, but it was a, it was really big news and everybody was like, damn, there's no way I will let somebody do that to me. And it's not, you know, people are going to make their jokes about it. I think it was really fucked up to punch your teammate in the face like that, especially sucker punch them. So they don't even mm-hmm. know that you're about to hit them and you just sucker punch them like that. That was fucked up. Now in Kuriko, there's many instances of the, the players, the teammates, they like punch each other and they don't punch each other in a way that's like friendly. Like when Kuriko punches Kagami, he like actually punches him and then Kagami actually punches him back. And when Kuriko does it, he's like, you're being self-centered. And I, I wrote down a note that's saying like, yeah, Kagami became Kobe really fast. He became a ball hog and he started doing yeah. his thing when he's playing basketball on his own and Kuriko didn't like it. And that's, and that's him. part of like what Kuriko is kind of against because that's like what you end up seeing a little bit later with Almine, who was like, you know, the ace and the original light that Kuriko played with. Almine, as you can see, he is like, becomes very self-centered there's multiple times in the season where he says like there's no point in team play like it's me like yep. i'm the one just give me the ball i don't need time. team play just give me the ball and like i can do it right and so that ends up being something you know kuriko's very much against so when he's seeing kagami as he's getting better at basketball he starts to value his own skill more than his team and become more self-centered and kuriko's like that's not how we're going to win you know what i mean like we're not going to win by you just being self-centered yeah yeah no that that part is uh, really interesting so they do hit each other a lot throughout the whole 25 episodes 26 episodes there's a lot of physical contact that they make some of it is more playful but then some of it is straight up like i sucker punched you 
you fell to the ground, you sucker punch me, I fall, you know, or like buckle or in some kind of way. But yeah, they hit each other pretty often. And they have a really interesting relationship because at first it starts off where like they don't really well, Kagami doesn't really like Kuriko. He he's he's creeped out by him being, you know, a phantom coming out of nowhere, which I understand. But then he just like because he sucks at basketball, technically, he also looks down on him because he he admires strength. So Kagami, he's always looking for like, I want somebody who's good. What ends up happening is that in one of the basketball games, I'm not exactly sure which one, but Kagami's forced to sit out and he gets like fouled out. So he's forced to watch um, Kuriko play from the sidelines and he sees like how good Kuriko actually is. Like mm-hmm. he actually gets to witness like, oh shit, you know, he's not awful his passes are actually insane he he starts to develop respect for him and i think that's like a really cool thing is that it wasn't until he sat outside of a game to really see like oh shit you're actually like pretty amazing like you're not yeah like i thought you were kind of bad you only had one job but like no you're you're the real deal like watching it from the outside looking in um is really cool so they have like this whole moment where they make an alley-oop it's like an alley-oop thing and they make that a big deal the first 17 episodes or the first 16 episodes i should say have no foul shooting at all to the point where i i thought that like free throws didn't exist in japan for some reason (laughs) not for some reason but because i just never saw one and then episode 17 was the first time ever in the anime that there is a free throw like thing where you know you see kids line up and they do the free throw after that episode, they include quite a few foul shots, I'd Correct. say. Yeah, after 17, I don't know what happened the first 16, but like foul, maybe because it's not exciting and they kind of want, and I think this is, maybe this is even smart. Now that I think about it, uh, for the first several episodes, they just kind of want you to be drawn in by cool looking basketball because a lot of the beginning mm-hmm. is just like amazing stuff. You see Kise doing the copycat technique. You see the high jumps and stuff like that. You see Mitarima doing the three point shot from half court that he does it from full court. All of that looks amazing. And then eventually you get to episode 17 and, you know, Amine and it's like a foul shot happens and it's like, oh, go to the go to the free throw line. So I thought that was interesting that it wasn't until 17 episodes that you get that. Uh, but they win every single game that they play. The first two Generation of Miracles they play, the, the other Kings team that has the best defense, they beat all of them. Mm-hmm. And they struggle for sure against all of them, but they do win every single one. So I was kind of watching it like, huh. I didn't expect them to be Kisei, which was the very first one, but they beat him. And I'm like, okay, he was the weakest one. He was the first one. Then when they fight Midorima, and look at me using the word fight, but when they play Midorima, I was like, damn, there's no way they're going to beat him because he seems nuts. Like he already seems steps and steps and steps ahead of Kisei in terms of just like ability. <laughs> and then they beat him too. Well, like the, I believed in you thing, but I wasn't mad at it because it was so well done with the, I believed in you thing. I got the episode title and then them both say, I thought that like, oh, when Midorima said it and he went up for the shot after the pump fake, I was like, yo, the way he just won this game is broken as fuck. <laughs> and it makes sense that it's called I Believe in You and it wasn't Kuriko saying it, but then Kuriko comes and does it. And I was like, yo, I'm not even mad that Kuriko's like, <laughs> I also believe like that shit was fire. <laughs> so they beat the first couple teams and I'm like, damn, they're not going to lose. This reminds me of early Naruto where every fight Naruto gets in in early Naruto, no matter it's Neji, who's the number one Genin at the time or whoever he always wins haku who has like these unbreakable demon ice uh barrier rings whatever mirrors <laughs> they they always win and it kind of annoyed me when i used to watch naruto like damn this kid never loses like it's kind of unrealistic and i get the times that he doesn't lose when it would kill him because like obviously if he loses the haku he dies but like losing to neji is like that's fine it's a shooting exam like it's, it's not like yeah it's an l on his record but it wouldn't be death 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. He could have lost that, and the show could have went on. Yeah, so I was, I, I kind of get not letting the main character get fucking killed. That's not what I'm asking for. But like when he's in just you know the shooting exam, and it's not the force of death and shit like that. I feel like he should be able to lose to somebody. Like even Kiba, who like he farts in his face and he ends up winning that way. I'm like that's kind of ridiculous, but okay. Uh, but with Neji being a number one Genin, I was a little annoyed that he beat the number one Genin because the fight wasn't called after Naruto was incapacitated it ended up being a clone i guess and then neji like turned off his byakugan so he didn't notice that that was a clone he didn't notice that naruto was underground naruto comes up with uppercut it's the only time he ever hits him in the entire fight and that's when neji got the glass chin moniker and then my whole childhood was basically like people saying like oh your favorite character has a glass chin and i'm like bro he lost to the fucking qb naruto lost all his chakra neji could <laughs> see it he could see his chakra be drained to almost zero not literally zero because at zero in that anime you die but he saw his chakra get drained all, almost to zero. And then the QB refills it. And Neji still goes toe-to-toe with Naruto. Like, they actually still fight after the QB yeah, gives some chakra. It's, it's ridiculous. Yes, Neji goes toe-to-toe with QB Naruto. Not like, you know, cloak or anything. He doesn't, he's not, he doesn't have a fucking tail. It's not that crazy. But he is still fueled by QB chakra when they fight. That's wild because Neji holds his own and actually wins. And then Naruto does this fake out thing with the clone uppercut. And I was, so I was annoyed. My whole point of that is just saying like, I do not like what main characters kind of go on this string of never losing. And, uh, so Kuroko's basketball was, they beat these people who they set up as the generation of miracles. And as they're going through, I'm like, yo, is every, every arc of this anime going to be, oh, new generation of miracle shows up and we're going to beat them somehow. They get to Almane. <laughs> and it seems like that's the narrative and the writer of this this anime this manga is amazing because i genuinely <laughs> bought into the hype of the first two losing that albany was going to be something of the same so they start playing against albany but not literally him his team doesn't have him because he doesn't show up for games on time usually he comes in around the third quarter and so everyone on his team is like looking for him like yo like where is he at we need him at the time they were already winning so they thought the main character they thought Sarah and they thought that they would beat Almanay's team if he's not there yeah they so were like, like let's score as many points as we can before he shows up yep they were like if we can just get the lead before he comes in maybe it won't be that bad what they end up finding out is that while Almanay is ridiculous and way way more powerful than the rest of his team his team is no slouch and <laughs> all of them hold their own against Seiren while he's not there to the point where they actually are just winning by the time he comes into the game so when yeah, they're finally, up by like they're up by like 10 points i think yes. and then it's cool because Seiren is known as like a super offensive team um but they're a super offensive team with team play and this happened super early in this in this fight this game where Almanay's team is also super offensive, but they're all like solo players. Like yeah. none of them really care that much about teamwork. It's just like I get the ball myself, I score the point myself. And that's like they're a whole team, but they're also super offensive in a different way. And yeah, like Kuroko's team is just taken by surprise because they thought they were going to be able to get the lead before Almanay showed up. And there's like these fucking guys are ridiculous. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely ridiculous. So they end up like losing the first half when they thought they were going to be up on the first half to kind of thwart Amade's actual um, impact on the game. And Amade comes in the third quarter, and uh, he starts dogging them. And it's exactly as bad as they expected, because you already got a taste of it when he had the one-on-one against Kagami, when he blitzed them and said, like, your light is too dim. Uh, you already got a taste of it, but since then, there was, like, a little training arc where Kagami was getting better and stuff, so you thought, like, maybe he learned something, maybe he got, like, a little bit better. We could... mm-hmm. Bro, this was the most fucking one-sided basketball game I've ever watched. They got beat... <laughs> So fucking bad that at the end of the fourth quarter, 
the screen goes small and it turns to gray. Like there's no color in the anime anymore. And the screen is shrinking into the middle. And there's a monologue at the bottom about a coach saying on that day, Saren suffered a crippling defeat. Nobody cried. Nobody gave up, but we did not win. And they fucking showed the score and it's 112 to 55. <laughs> they fucking got their score doubled on and you just see Almane in this shrinking box balling out of control like Kobe Bryant balling on these niggas like going crazy Bruh. like it was oh fucking God. insane like you just see this man in between the legs he's doing hook shots here's this one shot that is so nuts to me and the reason why I'm bringing it up now because it gets brought up again later and it's so cool he goes up in the air and Kagami does one of his super crazy high jumps to block it. He puts the ball like behind his back and shoots it with like a flick of his wrist, like a hoop shot. Yeah. Like a, it's like a it's like a hook shot, but from behind his back. And it kind of goes from a, like from his back and it arcs over it and into the basket. It is the cleanest shot in the entire, in my opinion so far, it's the cleanest shot in the anime. Ugh. And uh so he just does all these crazy tricks. He does the- And when he does it, that's the first fail of the show. Because Kagame goes off to block him. And then he like kind of he does a charging, which is the name of the fail. He ends yeah. up like charging him in the air and not. But like Amine does that flick behind his back, scores the point, and gets fouled, so he gets to take the foul shot. And it's like, oh my god! Yep. So he like complete setup shit. Like you fouled me, I still scored a point anyway, and I get the foul shot. It's so crazy. It's really bad. His his uh, basketball IQ is really high. Amine's. So they call him the ace. You understand that he is basically supposed to be the best now i'm interested because there's two more generation of miracle characters who aren't really fully revealed in this season they're kind of holding them for season two and i think that's interesting that we already know that Almane is considered the ace of the generation of miracle so i'm wondering the ordering that they introduce the characters instead of introducing Almane last they put him in the middle mm-hmm. so i can't wait to see where that goes but there's still more in season one so after they lose the anime shifts a lot and this doesn't happen until you know episodes like around 20 but they lose the whole team goes into a slump they're supposed they're supposed to play these two other games and they end up losing those games as well and they talk about practice because the coach is like listen you guys still got to go to practice and you got to do all this stuff and i love this because this is so realistic i experience this in Yu-Gi-Oh all the time but after they lose against almane really bad and they get their score doubled on they talk about how going to practice after losing a game especially losing a game like that fucking blows yeah and their energy, their morale is really low. Everyone's kind of just in a slump. And I just know that exact feeling from playing Yu-Gi-Oh! Like whenever you you bubble an event or whenever you top an event and lose in top 32 or whatever happens, you kind of feel bummed out. And then people are like, oh, do you want to play test? Like, no, bro. I don't want to fucking no. play test right now. I just lost. I just got eliminated from the tournament. I'm not happy about it. I just bubbled. I just lost on a bubble. I'm not happy about it. I don't want to play test. I'm in a slump. So that feeling I resonated with immediately. Uh... We could talk about Tepe, too. He comes out of nowhere, and <clears throat> he's apparently the guy who started the Saren basketball team, so the main character's yep. basketball team. This guy comes out of nowhere, like, towards the end of season one, and he's huge. He's, like, not as big as Kagami, but he's pretty up there, and he's also a upperclassman. Uh, but, yeah, they said he's, like, an insane. He's an insane talent, but he sandbags, so he plays a one-on-one game against Kagami to see who will start. So whoever whoever loses has to sit on the bench, and then the other person will be the starter. So they play, and the guy's, Tepe's clearly ridiculous. Like, he's clearly ridiculous, but he ends up losing to Kagami. And at the end of it, Kagami leaves the locker, or leaves the court, and uh, everyone's like, yo, why the fuck did you do that? Like, why'd you let him win, or whatever? He's like, no, he's like, Kagami's the real deal. He's actually really talented. And they're like, yeah, but you are wearing dress shoes. 
And they like <laughs> zoom because you don't see them at all until <laughs> this moment. But they like zooming on his dress shoes. He's like, oh fuck. Like the jig is up kind of thing. And they zo- so he has dress <laughs> shoes on and he was holding his own against Kagami with fucking dress shoes on. And uh, which is absurd. It's absolutely absurd. So you already know he's ridiculous. Season one, you don't get to really see him play on the team. I, th- I find that to be interesting as well. Uh, he's always kind of like, or, you know, I know that he's on the bench, but like you get subbed in at some point, but he kind of doesn't. No, he wasn't on the bench. I don't know if it gets so off the top of my head. I don't remember if it gets revealed in season one, so I won't say. But he's definitely not on the bench even okay. in season one. Well, I know they keep talking about him recovering. They talk about yeah. that often about like, oh, like I'm still not. He's like, I'm fine. I'm fine. But you don't exactly. He went through something and he was away for a reason, but yeah, they don't yeah. fully elaborate on it yet. But he is kind of like in the in the stands to be more accurate. Like he's not he doesn't have yeah. a jersey on. He never has a jersey on. And I was like, that's kind of interesting. I thought that he was going to he was playing to be the starter, but he ends up not playing at all in season one. So he's ridiculous. I cannot wait to see what they're going to do with him because they talk about him in reverence as though he is like a really yeah, he's the one character. that started their team. There's yeah, he's awesome. There's going to be stuff that we see from him in season two and obviously many other characters in season two. Um but he's the man. Yeah. Tepe. Tepe is cool. They, they introduce him like basically at the end of season one. Yep. Um, and then were you going to say something else about him? No, I, I was, I was going to move on to the, uh, they do like this little beach arc where they go there and start playing basketball in the sand. Yeah. That was cool. The coach at first, I didn't quite understand why they were playing basketball in the fucking sand. Like they played on the beach and it's revealed a couple things. So, in the sand, obviously, you're playing barefoot. You can't really dribble the ball. Kuroko tries anyway because he's an idiot. Uh, they're like, you can't fucking dribble the ball in the sand. So that's not a thing. So the way you have to move the ball through around the court is by passing. So playing on the beach and being able to only pass the ball to move it, essentially, because you can run, right? So you can run to a position and somebody will have to give you the ball from their, like, from their position. So you have to learn how to pass the ball better. So this exercise is really dope because it's training you to be able to pass better and learn how to use that as an ability. So Kuroko's not the only one on the team who could pass really well. Mm-hmm. So that was awesome. But then it's revealed also when they get back to playing on regular gym floors, that because they have been running on the beach and when you're running on sand, and this is something that humans do without really realizing it in order to like really get traction and move your feet, you kind of use your front toes. Like you use the front of your foot to move when you're in something that is the texture of sand, as opposed to relying on just like your flat foot or your back foot. Uh, so they say that because they had been using the front of their foot so much in the sand to move around when they got onto regular gym floors again, they were much faster and able to just like have better overall movement. Yeah. So this I love this. This is definitely a sports anime trope. I'm not going to say every sports anime does it, but the the first one that I remember seeing that did it is Hajime no Ippo, which is a boxing anime. Mm. And uh, boxing is Hajime no Ippo, I think, is even easier for people to get into. In terms of sports, because it's it's you're fighting. It's right. it's still fighting. It's like fighting. most of us are used to fighting anime, so it's it's even easier to get into something like boxing anime because at the end of the day they're still fighting, and that's an easier stimulus I think for people to get into as a step to get into sports anime. Anyway, to the point. There's a point in Hajime no Ippo where they do like a beach a beach training arc, and they have to go and run on the sand, and they're running along the beach on the sand, and it's for similar reasons that happens in Kuroko. It's really cool. I like the spin on it for Kuroko how. They were not only practicing and the muscles in their feet and being able to move through the sand, which is harder to do than solid ground, but also the practice of becoming much better passers. Uh, so I think that was awesome and done really, really well in this anime. Yeah, no, I liked it a lot. So this whole beach arc where they're kind of on this resort, you know, this cheap resort or whatever, they also have like funny things. This episode was kind of filler, but then it had that training part in it that made it not 
thought that was because mm-hmm. uh, at first I was like, oh god, is this is about to be like Naruto where he makes ramen with the Rasengan because that was because <laughs> there was nothing nothing really came out of that and that's not part of manga obviously but this had a real reason to it and they got better as a result of this uh but at on this little resort thing their coach rika she she's known to be a terrible cook it's just like a thing that has been a trope with her since episode like one or two she can't cook and she tries making curry and they all eat it and they're like first of all why are there whole vegetables in the curry when we just saw her chopping something? <laughs> like, they show her chopping and slicing and chopping and slicing. You hear the noise of, like, several, like somebody oh chopping God. a carrot. You hear the sound of chopping. And then when they get their plates, they all look down there and they're like, what the fuck? What was the chopping about? Like, why is there a whole carrot on my plate? So I thought that was hilarious. I actually bust out laughing when that happened <laughs> because I was like, that's OD. Like, for there to be a whole fucking carrot and you saw this bitch chopping is insane. I mean, that's unhinged. That's fucking... The fuck like, was she is, cutting? Like, they, were lit- they literally asked, what was she cutting? So mm-hmm. her cooking is terrible. They eat it and it's they get those like anime faces when they turn purple and they get the little squiggly lines and they're like, oh my God, it's awful. It's worse than I expected, but they can't say anything because Rika will like slap them. Anyway, the main character, one of the other main characters, Kagami, he happens to be an amazing cook. And it's because he lives by himself. Still haven't explained that yet, but he lives by himself. He's a freshman in high school, by the way. Um, Lives by himself and he can cook really well. So she goes to him and says, listen, can you show me how to cook? Can you show me how to make curry? So he shows her how to do it. And then he gives his curry to everybody and they love it. He's like, it's amazing. The flavors are well balanced. Everything sliced perfectly well. The gravy, the rice, all of it. It's amazing. Curry's great. Then she makes hers, which looks exactly like his, basically. Like, it looks like Kagami. So it's like she took good notes. She did everything right. They're like, oh, my God, it actually looks really good for once. They go to eat it, and they get the same purple face. It's disgusting. It's awful. What the fuck? How did, like, how could something that looks so good be so bad? So he's like, what's going on? Then on the side, Kuriko, who you kind of forgot about, because he's not even shown in the scene until this moment, they flash over to Kuriko. He's eating. And he's like, oh, it's amazing. And Kagami's like, what do you mean it's amazing? He's like, no, it tastes perfectly fine to me. Like, it's actually really good. And then they're like, wait a minute. Kuriko, who served you? And he's like, oh, I served myself because you guys forgot about me, which I'm used to. No big deal. He's like, no need to apologize, whatever. Like, it's no big deal. I'm used to being forgotten about. There's like a trope with him, right? So then Kagami's like, wait a second. So Kuriko, you served yourself and it tastes good. So then they tell like Hugo, like, go make yourself a plate of curry that she made like go go make it yourself though like she doesn't make it i want to see you make it <laughs> so he goes and make, he's like oh it's amazing and then kagami's like what the fuck have you been doing when you played it from the time you cook it to the time you actually <laughs> serve the people what ha- what is going wrong like where's the disconnect where's the break yeah, in the what supply is happening chain? and they find out that this bitch has been fucking putting vitamin powder and uh all kinds of other protein powder sprinkling it all over their food and mixing it in and it makes it taste awful yeah so that's what she's that's what she's been doing she's just trying to look out you know yeah i love how bad of a cook she is there's a part where she makes like you know i think this is definitely a japanese thing i don't recall this ever being a thing in america even when i played sports when i was younger there's like this thing where it's like these lemons they like do something with these honey i don't really know like honeyed lemons yeah yeah that's like an american thing for sure so yeah i think it's like a japanese thing right but she does it and they're like whole lemons (laughs) And they show the coach the other team do it, and they're like these perfectly cut lemons, and they're like really delicious looking. And for her, it's like these whole fucking lemons. Like they're not even cut. It's, it's a like rant. horrible. It's an absolute rant. And on that note, I wanted to, there's a two things. So, first of all, I love the coach. I think she's so cool, and I love the role she plays. There's a part where she um wraps one of Kagami's like injuries, and then he gets up to go back in, and then she apologizes. She's like, I'm sorry. And he's like, What are you talking about? 
She's like, I'm, I'm always talking about team play and I'm also play as a team. But at the end of the day, you're our ace. And like, we need to depend on you to win. She was like, I don't want to put an injured player in, but we basically need you to play. Right. And then Kagami says, like, I don't think you understand all the work you do. And he, he says all the stuff that she does for him and for the whole team. He was like, if anything, you do too much. Um, and then he basically says, like, he says, like, you saying sorry before I go into the game isn't going to amp me up. Right. He kind of like scolds the coach, like, you're supposed to be amping me up right now. Like, don't say sorry. It's like bringing me down. And then she, she like amps him back up and like tells him to go in there and fight. And then so he goes in and he plays. So I really love her. But also to shed light on another female character in the game who's basically a generation of miracle, uh, just doesn't play the fucking game. Right. Uh, Momoy, I think her name is, or Momoy, something like that. She is, she was the manager of Taiko Middle School of the Generation of Miracles, and she ends up following Almine. She's Almine's like childhood friend. She goes with him, and basically she's just super fucking broken analytical. Yes, she like she analyzes the, the games. Yeah, and she basically like, based on your progress as a player, she can make these hypothetical future evaluations of how you will develop as a player. And she like, not only tells you how good and what you were able to do to her, her team, she says how they'll probably evolve and how they will get better under pressure. And like says like this is how good they are now, but mid game they'll probably become this good. Like she's also just broken. Yes, she's insane. I like her character as well. Also, she's in love with Kuriko, who she calls Tetsuya, which is like his other, you know, his surname or whatever. Yeah. Um, he gave her a popsicle, but not an actual popsicle, <laughs> a fucking popsicle stick after he ate the actual like you know popsicle part of it off and then he just gives her the stick but it says winner on it i don't really yeah. get this this must be some japanese thing this is I'm... a japanese thing okay because on our popsicles they're just like the popsicle stick and we used to sharpen them and do stuff like that with them as kids just just because i don't really know why but we. Used this to is a thing them. in kingdom hearts as well in kingdom hearts they have like these popsicles and um salty sweet they ones, like right? and then yeah and then there's like the one that says winner so i don't know the full lore on it i think it's basically just like these popsicles where and if one of them says winner you can take that stick back and get a free popsicle oh I that's think is awesome like, yeah and so i i know it's a japanese thing just because there's no way it's in kingdom hearts and kuriko and it's like yeah just a culture like kuriko didn't get it from kingdom hearts you know what i mean like it's obviously not. like a cultural thing yeah um, so i didn't really get it a, but he gave it to her and she fell in love with him as a super side note this is super random in the very beginning of this part there's a he, kagami comes back from america there's a part where like you have to like go get this like bread from the lunchroom. Oh, or yeah. And, I, and there's I like this, this big thing. And then Kagami's like, this is a Japanese lunchtime rush. Like yes. the way he says I it. I love that like, part. This, <laughs> Japanese lunchtime rush. Like that shit about the is Japanese hilarious. lunchtime rush and like trying to get in and get lunch in Japan. And Kuriko it's just really gets in funny. And buys the bread because no one senses him. So despite the fact that there's a crowd, like just imagine the craziest crowd lined up for like Beyonce tickets or like Taylor Swift uh -huh. or something like that. Kuriko's able to slip through all of them because they don't notice him. Get right to the front of the and line, buy the bread, and get out. Get out. Yeah, get in, get out. It's really cool. So there's a lot of really awesome stuff that happens. There's a lot of really cool characters. We talked a little bit about some of the side characters. I think a lot of the side characters get even more shine in the future seasons, as well as the Generations of Miracles, yes. obviously doing more shit. So there'll be more to talk about with them in future seasons. But there is, unless there's something else you wanted to cover. No, we can get to the Generation of Miracles. There's at least one big, yeah, yes. there's like the, one big game left. 
the end of season one is insane. So Kisei, the model pretty boy guy who was the first real battle they had and they ended up beating him with the skin of their teeth. Uh, he ends up going against Amine and they give this history lesson about Amine and Kisei and how that was the reason why Kisei even plays the game of basketball because he can never beat Amine. And every time they've ever played one-on-one, Kisei's always lost. He's never beaten him in mm-hmm. his life. Not a single time. So this time when they're about to play, it's like, well, it's not going to be any different because you always lose to this person. But Kisei's like, no, this time I'm going to do it. Like, I actually have something prepared. And as a side note, Almanay shows up on time for this game. Yes. He does not show up at halftime. <laughs> Almanay no. shows up on time. He gives him enough respect to be there from the beginning. And Saren is there. The whole Saren team's in the stands. Everybody's there watching. Uh, Mitarima's there. Every, everyone's watching this game. Like, literally, everyone is there. Okay? And... This game is nuts because we know Kisei's ability is the copycat. And Amine's ability isn't really like anything in particular. He's just a god all around. He's an all-around yeah. scorer. He's an all-around defensive player. He can actually do it all. There's not a single thing that he really can't do, they showed. Like every I thought that they would show him having some kind of weakness, but his only real weakness is that he's an asshole. And I find this <laughs> pretty to, much. I find this to be funny because his voice actor is also the voice actor for Grimjaw and Sukuna. And when I tell you that Almane's character, like his the way his character's written, he's literally just those two people as well. Like he's just yep. Grimjaw and Sukuna. You that can voice is definitely typecasted. Yeah, that guy, whoever does the voice, I don't know his name, sorry about that, but like the guy who voices Grimjaw and Sukuna from JJK and from Bleach, uh, he is very blatantly typecast into being an <laughs> asshole character. Like an asshole to the uh, protagonist, uh, somebody who likes to talk trash, somebody who laughs at other people, somebody who's condescending. Like everything that you see Sukuna say in JJK, everything that you see Grimjaw say in Bleach, Amine says the exact same type of things. And because it's the same voice, you just you can close your eyes and just hear the other character. You can see, you can visualize. Like I can visualize yep. Grimjaw saying it. I can visualize Sukuna saying it. So anyway, Kisei and him are playing, and uh, Kisei's saying like, you know, it's not going to be the same this time. I'm I, I got some shit prepared, and they're going back and forth, right? But at the end of the day, Amine is still they're still up. His team is up by like twelve. So Kisei's team is losing, and as the game's progressing, Kisei starts to do minor copies of Almane's techniques. And the people in the stands are like, oh shit, and it's that big eye thing the anime does where they make the doom, 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 and every time the you hear the doom sound, it shoots to another person's eyes getting big. And they're like, mm-hmm. did he just... Did he just do Almane's whatever move? So he copies like an Almane move that he co- copies this other kid on the team who has a crazy three-point shot and a fast release. Yep. And this kid always looks like he's super worried about something. He has like these eyes that look like he's super like, I don't know, a uh, paranoid. He looks like a paranoid kid. But Kisei copies this kid's ability and does a fast release three-pointer the exact same way the kid does it. And uh, Almane blocks it or whatever. But he's like, holy shit, was that actually his ability that he just he just used my teammate's shit? So he does some other things from the guy. They have this guy who's an asshole. He wears glasses and he's on Amine's team. He like talks really condescending. And he's also like really good at the game, of course, like everyone else on Amine's team. Kisei and him have a moment where they kind of do an exchange. He's like, yeah, you can never beat him. Today will be no different. And <laughs> Kisei uses one of Amine's techniques to like blitz past that guy. He like does a turnaround thing, like a spin around, gets past that guy and like goes to dunk the ball. And then Amine comes up and is like, yo, don't get ahead of yourself. Like, what the fuck are you doing? And he's like, yo, did he yeah. just you? But as he's doing this, as he's stopping Kisei, he's like, is he using my techniques? Those look like my fucking moves. So he's having this... <laughs> He's having this like mental moment in his head, and everyone else is too. Like, yo, Kisei is trying to copy Almane. 
And there's this part with a the guy, they call him evil glasses guy, which I think is so funny. Yeah. Um, because there's a part where they call they somebody calls him evil glasses guy. And he's like, Me? He's like, what the fuck? Why are he's you like, talking that's about super me? harsh? Yeah. And then uh Almine even calls him glasses guy at one point. And he's like, dude. But there's a part <laughs> when Kisei crosses him over and like beats him, <clears throat> glasses guy. And then he turns to like the other teammate and he's like, Yo, do you remember? what I told you about the first time I played against Almine. Like, I played against Almine, and he beat me, and he was like, it was the first time I got goosebumps by how good somebody was. Like, he was so much better than me, I got goose goosebumps, and that's how I knew Almine was the best. And he was, and then he goes, this isn't good. I just got goosebumps. Like, after Kisei crosses him over, he was just like, uh, he's like, yada, yada. Like, one of those things. Yeah. Like, no, like, I, love I just that. got goosebumps. <laughs> yeah, that whole scene about him saying, I'm getting the same feeling from Kisei that I got from Albany when we first played. That was like a little precursor. So halftime comes up and they're in their locker rooms. And Kisei is like, I, they're asking about this plan that you haven't really heard much about until now. They're saying, how much longer do you think it's going to take? He said his whole team's talking to him. And he's like, I Mm -hmm. think I'll have it done by the end of the third quarter. And they're like, are you sure that you'll be able to do it? He's like, yeah, I'll be able to do it 100% (laughs) in the third quarter. And you're like, what the fuck is he talking about? He's like, by the way, though, I need to go and get some air. So he like leaves the locker room and he goes outside and he's just chilling. Kirko appears out of nowhere. Of course they have a conversation conversation whatever Kirko typically saying like oh you know the reason why the generation of miracles all separated is because we were on a team where we were the best but over time each individual person on the generation of miracles team got so ridiculous that they developed their own skill but they went their own ways because they developed their own skill and they started to play as individuals they Mm -hmm. weren't really playing as a team and that's why i hated that basketball which is why i want to make my own version of basketball which is kuriko's you know basketball name and anime so he's talking about that whole thing he's going on his rant about how like yeah you guys all became so good but you all became individuals and you didn't look at this as a team anymore and amade being the best of us or whatever you know he is the ace uh but He's talking about, like, do you think you'll be able to beat him? And then, you know, Kise's like, yeah, I can do it. Third quarter comes around. They're going back and forth. And Kise's still doing his thing. He's balling out of control. They're keeping the score relatively close. They're, like, still down by 12, which means that Amine hasn't really made any progress in terms of blowing them out. Typically, it's been known, Amine blows you out. He will triple your score. And in the case of Sarah, he will double your score. So the fact that it's a 12-point difference is like, yo, this game is winnable. And by the end of the third quarter, Kise starts fully copying. Yo. Hold on, wait, 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 wait. Before you go further, right? There's a couple things I want to say. One, there was the very start of the game where there's like a small moment where where Kisei's team gets a bit of a an advantage over Almane's team. I don't know if it's an advantage if they ever had the lead or if they just but there's a part where like Almane realizes like, oh shit, Kisei really did step his game up. Yes. Like kind of because re- one thing about Almane is like pretty much since he entered high school, he hasn't been practicing really. He like doesn't really get better. He doesn't go to practice. He's super lazy and he's just better than everybody else. And so there's a part where he's realizing like Kisei is like bringing his shit. And there's like people that are worried. And then um, Kuriko says like in the stands, he's like, because they're like, holy shit, Kisei's like catching up. And there's a part where Tepe, because um, at this point, Tepe has been like part of the the show now even though he hasn't played there's a part where tepe asked him like how did you guys beat kisei's team like i get y'all lost to almond he's like but how did y'all beat kisei yeah i love that that was actually so clutch <laughs> and uh and then i think kagami says like we had team spirit or he says something like that yeah but um, when you're watching them play now it looks like there's no fucking way you guys beat kisei yeah so there's a part where almond is like he realizes like okay like i gotta step it up kisei really has been getting better and uh, Amane Kuriko says, like, the longer the game goes on, the better Amane gets because he warms up more because like he's, mm-hmm. you know, he just like warms up and gets better. He gets his engine running. Right. Um, But anyway, there's a part before Kisei 
as like Kisei's really when they finally like really unveil the plan that he's trying to copy Almane, this is probably my one of my favorite fucking things ever. I don't know why it gets me so horny, but I love it so fucking much. <laughs> There's a part where he all of a sudden, because the whole first half of the game, he's going one-on-one with Almane and doing stuff with Almane, blah, blah, blah. And then there's a part where now he's getting the ball, but he's avoiding Almane, and he's only playing against Almane's teammates. Yep. And when he's playing against his teammates, he's trying to replicate the Almane stuff, but he's not doing it against Almane. And people are like, holy shit, he's replicating Almane. Um, he can do it. And then somebody else says like, well, not really. There's a reason why he's not doing it against yeah, Almane Daiki. Either him because, or her or Moy says it. One of those two analytical yeah. people, one of the two coaches says like, he's only doing it against everybody who's not Almane. Yeah, and it's like when when he does it against him, that's when we know he's ready. But the whole point I'm getting to is there's a part where he's recreating the moves against the other guys, and he's doing like this whisper thing where he's whisper he's like whispering to himself. He's like da, 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 left the right crossover, and he's like he's like whispering to himself under his breath as he's doing the moves. And there's something about the fucking whisper that gets me so goddamn hype because yeah. he's like his eyes go blank, and like Almane looks at him at one point, and you see him and like, and he's like encompassing like the Almine identity and his yeah. eyes kind of go blank and he has this bored look on his face and he's like da, 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 da. and he's like whispering they show his off moving and everything it's yeah really cool. and he's like doing the fucking moves and i just remember looking at it getting so fucking hype i was like this kid is going crazy right what's now. crazy to me is that i genuinely did not like kisei up until this point up until this point <laughs> in the anime i did not care for his character even though like i said you know i see a lot of myself and him and all that i still did not care for him and it's it's weird to me because once i saw this game him versus amine i have like this crazy respect for him now and i like him a lot i mm-hmm. think he's, at first i was like oh his ability is cool but it's once they explain the limitation of he can't copy anybody who's better than him he can't copy nba players or whatever i was like okay that's interesting so you can only copy people who are worse than you which is like okay, how useful is that right because if somebody's mm-hmm. worse than you that means that theoretically you beat them already so i was like that's not really as insane as i thought it would be when he develops the plan to start to copy uh Almine, he starts to use it on Almine's teammates when i tell you that he was breaking ankles and destroying them the shit he was doing there was one part where he goes to like the far right of the court where normally clay thompson would go to shoot a three it's like he kind of just waits there for the ball to be passed him and he'll shoot a three something i've seen clay do so many times and uh he goes over there and somebody's guarding him and he just does a hook shot and this is something that Amine did in one of the earlier episodes Mm-hmm. They just like show Ame do this crazy ass hook shot, and they're like, "Yo, can he really shoot that from there?" And he like literally shoots a he hook just shot. Does it? He also does the like the Almine fadeaway where Almine, he goes up for a shot, and then like Kagami jumps in the air to block it, and Kagami jumps super high, and then Almine Daiki just like leans his back all the way back. He just yes. like leans back almost parallel to the ground, and he like shoots from this super awkward position, and he makes a shot. They're like, "How the fuck could you even do that?" And like Kisei ends up. And he does like the super lean back and he does that shot. Like he does all these crazy shots. And you're like, how could you even possibly do that? When he finally does get the courage and I guess his copy is complete because this whole thing that's happening is he's downloading Amine as the game goes on. And you could, it would, it would even been have, it would have been cool if they would have put a percentage of completion next to oh, it shit. as it was happening. Like if this anime ever got remade, they might even do something like that. Um, but because they keep talking about like, is the copy ready? Is the copy ready? They, they mention it like that, so as though like it's downloading. It gets to a point where him and Amine finally meet face to face again on the court, and he's already dogged all Amine's teammates. They can't stick him anymore. And as this is happening, this cool ass animation effect is happening on Kisei's body where he's kind of like smoking like Luffy in Gear Second. 
Yeah. And he's glowing too. He's seeing these like little things on the court. He's seeing like these, these lights on the court. And it's like this stuff that's happening where he's awakening. And Amine is actually starting to get a little panicked. There's points where he <laughs> is genuinely a bit worried. And his team says during, they come to a flashback to the, to the halftime locker room talk. And they're like, yo, if the plan is to copy you, why don't we take you out? Because why would we just let him get a copy of you? It could be dangerous. And Amine goes, that's fucking ridiculous. Do not take me out. In fact, give me the ball every time. You would never purposely lower your power level. Yeah. So why would you ever take, why would you even consider taking me out? And he just leaves the locker room. And the the thing is that like, this is back to the uh, Kobe Bryant thing is, is that he's really the person running the team. Like Amine mm-hmm. says things and his his teammates have problems with it too, but he says things as though like I'm the coach, I'm making the I'm making the calls here, and the coach literally lets him get away with it because it's like yeah that's the star at the end of the player. day what are you gonna do yeah he's the star player you hear the same thing about LeBron James that he's like the guy he's really the manager of whatever team he's on he kind of overrides the coach people hate that about him or whatever like he comes in and he makes it about him but like yo the man has four rings and he's one of the best players of all time again if not the best player of all time so. It's like, what can you really do? Um, so Amine is not having it. He's like, I want to play Kise at his best because I've beaten him every time, but this is going to be no different. And Kise is turning up. They get to a point where they square up for the, for the first time in a while since the copy has gotten like close to perfected. And he finally does the exact same thing that Amine did when he played Kagami in a one-on-one in an earlier episode, he blitzes past him when he says, like, your light is too dim. He does that exact same movement. And it's so cool the way the animators drew Kisei doing the movement of Amine, but without actually using Amine's body or like using him as the person doing it. They literally just show Kisei doing the movement. And it just makes him look cool to me. It looks so fucking cool. There's a part where, like, he's doing the crossover. And as Kisei's doing it, it's it turns into Amine, yes. like, showing that, like, he's copying it um and he does it there's the part where he fucking blitzes past him and then like you said there's a like almanac kind of gets shaken after like download complete there's a part where the captain goes to pass the ball to almanac and like it he and like bounces off his hand because like he's kind of not paying attention for a second yeah. like, and then he's like oh shit and he fumbles the ball and everybody's like Holy oh that was shit. a huge moment they're like he Almanay just fucking fumbled. fumbled the ball yeah, yeah. and it's like they're like going nuts. And then there's the part because Almanay's big thing that he says is the only one that can beat me is me. Yep. And now something the anime does that is so fucking cool, because at least me, like it's so obvious, but I it's one of those things that's so obvious, but you never realize it. At least I didn't realize it. Almanay's like the only one that can beat me is me. And then you don't. And then the first miracle guy that gets set up is the copycat. Yep. And then the, the season ends with him. And then Kisei says, like, what if the me that is in front? Like, what if? The one in front of you is like the me. He, I don't, I don't remember how he says it, but he basically says like, "What if the me is in front of you right now?" Like yeah. after he copies Almine, he's like, "What if the me is playing against you right now?" Like I'm you. Yeah, and it's that just like, oh my god! As soon god. as he said, "The only one who could beat me is me," it went to one of those um, anime episode midway points where it kind of does the little stop thing, and it shows like a little graphic of Kirko Nebraska. I was like, "Oh shit!" I see where they are, what they're setting up. I see where this is going, and I like <laughs> it. I like that he says that right before the halfway point of the episode. This is episode twenty-five, by the way. This is the conclusion of the game, the conclusion of the season. And he says, like, no one can beat me but me. And we know that the plan is to copy him. So it does mm-hmm. set up for, like, oh, shit. And also, just by the way, as Kisei has this download complete, he's blitzing everybody, including Amine at this point. Um, the game has only a eight-point difference. Yeah. There's an eight-point difference. It's getting with, close. So there's an eight-point difference. And it gets to, like, this last moment where there's a minute left on the clock. They're down by eight. And Kisei says— Hold on, wait. 
Oh wait, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, you can, you can. Did you want to say something else? No, because yeah, yeah, because before like the because there's like the last moment that I think is like <laughs> okay. Well, I'm gonna go to like the last minute because the last minute is very important. Yeah, because I before that like last moment part, I wanted to. There's a couple things I wanted to say, so I'm not 100 percent sure where you're at. I was just gonna talk about how in the last minute when it's eight point when there's an eight point difference, Kise realizes that this is my last chance. Like this is the yeah. They, they make so it before, a big deal. They're like everyone realizes it at the same time. This is his yeah. last chance. If he scores here, they have a then it's only two three point difference, right? And it's possible to win the game. But if they don't score here and it remains eight point uh, eight point lead. Uh, there's really no way you're coming back. There's no way, yeah. So before that, there's a couple small things I want to touch on before we get to like kind of the finale of that. Um, One is, one big thing that you see about Kise and the character development that you see from here is that he really does start to depend on his team. And like, there's a, like he can only do what he's doing now because of his team. And he has a lot of respect for the team captain, Kasamatsu. Um, And the team as a whole work together. There's a part where they're like worried if the download's going to be completed. And Kasamatsu's like, we can't let this get to a 15 point difference. We have to keep it below a 15 point difference. And the team works together to like keep it below 15 points. But they're giving Kise his room. They're like, as long as we keep it below 15, it's cool. Um, but I really like that. There's one big thing that I fucking love, though. There's another part where Kise kind of has Almane frazzled, where Almane goes up and he charges him and he does, he tries to block him. And Kise does the thing where he gets fouled and scores the point anyway. And the Momo is like, screams like, no, like stop to Almane before he does it. He fouls him. He gets the point and the free shot. And then it gets revealed that Almane has four fouls already. And if you yeah. get five fouls, you're out of the game. And so they're, they're on the bench and they're talking about like changing their strategy. And like everybody's super fucking worried. Um, everybody's super worried. And Kise looks at Almane like disgusted. Like he looks at him like he's so fucking disappointed. In him. Like this is Kise now looking at Almane like I'm, di- fuck, I'm just disappointed in you. Like I yeah. can't believe I'm going to win this way. Like it's so easy. And Almane is like, what the fuck is wrong? with? Like he's thinking in his head. He's like, what the fuck is wrong with everybody? Why is everybody worried? And he's looking at Momo on the bench like, <laughs> what the fuck is your problem? And he's like, looking at everybody. He's like, why does everybody look so fucking worried right now? And they're, and like he has four fouls and his team starts talking about like, we should change our game plan and like do a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And then at some point he's just like, the fuck is, hold on. What is wrong with all of y'all? He said, it doesn't like, and then the captain realizes like, it doesn't matter if he gets fa- Like if we bench Almine or we like limit how much he gets the ball or if he gets fouled, it doesn't, the point is if we take him out, we lose anyway. At right. this point, we're not beating Kisa. So there's no so, difference. There's no difference. We got to let him play. And Almine is like, he goes up. He is so annoyed at everybody. And there's a part where he gets the ball and he like, doesn't even shoot the ball. He fucking just throws it in. He doesn't jump or anything. Yeah. He just throws the ball into the fucking hoop. And they were like, that was a shot. Yeah. And they're like, what is happening? And he looks at Kise. He's like, I get it. Everybody else is. He was like, but I can't believe you looked at me that way. He's like, I cannot believe you looked at me like you were disappointed in me. Like, you guys don't know who the fuck you're playing with. I am Almine Dyke. And I just really love that part where it's like he has four fouls. He's going to get fouled out. And they like they think he's going to take his foot off the gas a little bit. Like, he's got to slow down because if he gets fouled out and he like full foot on the gas, like, I'm going to show y'all why I am me. Like, I am the fucking one. And that reminds me as a quick thing, talking about Kobe Bryant, we talk about other basketball players. There's this awesome like little thing that I saw. I don't remember who it was that was saying it, but he was talking about how they were guarding Kobe and they were playing Kobe or whatever. And they're playing against Kobe and they're talking about how good Kobe is and why the kind of trash talk he does is another level. They're talking about how they went and like some somebody on the Lakers was trying to take a shot and they ended up fouling him so he couldn't get the shot. And so he doesn't get the shot off. And then Kobe goes up to him and he goes, hey, who are you supposed to be guarding today? And he goes like you like I'm I'm guard like I'm guarding you. I'm guarding Kobe Bryant. 
And Kobe goes, oh, and you wasted a foul on him? He's like, why would you waste a foul on him when you know you got to guard me? <laughs> he was like, he was like, you need all your fouls to guard me. He was like, why? He was like, that's so stupid. And so Kobe's saying that like this other guy, like, I can't believe you wasted a foul on him. Why'd you waste a foul stopping him? Like, you, you need to save all your fouls for me. And it's just like shit like that that I love because like, like, Amade is just like, he has these four fouls and he's like, I don't know. He looking at everybody's worried. And he's like, y'all don't need to be worried. I'm still me. Yeah. And anyway, I just wanted to like cover that stuff before we got to like the fine, like the finale no, grand thing very, of the game. Very relevant information. I actually, uh, now that you talked about that, I do. So in those final moments, a lot of things happen because even though there's only a minute left, it's an anime. So you know that that minute is actually stretched out to like five. Yeah. And there are moments where Amine has these inner thoughts that says like, I'm not going to let my guard down as long as he has those eyes. And it immediately made me think of Itachi talking about Sasuke because he looks, you know, mm-hmm. Sasuke's his younger brother. So Amine looks like he's saying, not like a younger brother. They never do that illusion at all. But just as somebody who you're kind of my peer, but also under me blatantly, like I son you. Yeah. Every time we've ever played, like you, you are my son, right? Um, they have that relationship. And Kisa acknowledges it too. It's not like, you know, it's disrespectful. It's like, bro, you never beat me. I, you, I son you every time. So he says, I'll, I won't let my guard down because everybody's worried that he's going to think that Kisa's sweet because he's always beating him. And he's like, I'm not letting my guard down as long as he has the same eyes as Kuriko. And I was like, what the fuck? And they showed this portrait of like Kuriko's eyes and they show Kisei's eyes. And they're like, yeah, as long as their eyes are the same, I'm not letting my guard down. Because for whatever reason, Amine is one of the people in the show who, and Mitarima doesn't really respect Kuriko. He blatantly says that at one point, like, I, I don't respect you because you went to this school. I think the school is trash mm-hmm. and you should have went to a real school. Uh, Amine is kind of the opposite. He loves Kuriko, actually. He talks about Kuriko in high esteem, and he tells Kagami, you don't draw out his full potential. So he has this, like, reverence for Kuriko. He's like, I actually know how good he is and how much of an asset he is, but you aren't good enough to make him reach that potential. So when he says, I'm not letting my guard down as long as he has the same eyes as Kuriko, I thought that was interesting. But then, in those last minutes, in that last minute, when Kisei is going for a two-point shot that way, or even a dunk or whatever, when he's going for two points, he realized, this is my last chance. If I make this, then it's just a two-possession game, and that's two threes away from tying it up at least. They have this moment, Kisei versus Amine, and it's just like those two on the court. It's like no one else exists. <laughs> yeah, baby. And this is at the point where Kisei is fully gear second, smoking, lighting up, and Amade's on defense. And at the time, Kisei's like, think, what should I do here? I could go for the crossover move that he does. And if I could, I could start off with the left or I could start off with the right. If I start off with the left, then I could I could pivot and go right instead. And if I start off with the right, I could pivot and go left. Then they go with Amade's thoughts. <laughs> He's like, what would I do here? If I was him, I would definitely go for my crossover move. And I would probably start with the left and then go right to fake him out. But if he's thinking that, then he's probably gonna try to outsmart me and go with the right and then start, you know, start right and then go left. And so they're having this, literally, I wrote down light versus L when they're playing yeah, tennis. Yeah, baby. They're having that exact same fucking interaction. And it is brilliant. <laughs> it is brilliant anime. It is peak anime. I love this shit so much. My heart was racing because I was like, bro, I don't know where this is going. Mind you, this isn't even to win the game. It's not like Kisei brought it to where they were tied. And this could be like, oh shit, Kisei. Yeah, this isn't the point shot. It's like he needs to make this so that they can... Have so that chance. they can win the game. Yeah, yes. have a chance. Have a win. chance. Yeah. Like they're still down by six if he makes this. So they're having this internal mental battle. No words are being spoken, but they're saying a lot in their heads. And I thought it was amazing for Kise to be saying, What should I do? I could go for his 
his crossover thing, I can either start left or start right and then flip the other way. Or I, and then, and then you have Amine saying the exact same thing from the opposite end. He's like, well, he might be thinking to do this. So I can outsmart him by doing this, but maybe he's thinking I'll outsmart him. So they're going to this whole thing. And then it becomes basically like, it's really a 50, 50, right? Yeah. Uh, and they're like, we just got to do it. He's like, I just got to do it. Like, a, you know what I mean? Yes. I just got to react. So this is talked about a lot in the fighting game community. Uh, one of my favorite players and pretty much my favorite player now and ultimate is a uh, tweak. It's pretty much been, I, I've been playing Diddy for years, so it's been tweak for a while actually, but um, tweak when I listen to his podcast called tweak talks, he often speaks about how situations in smash are, are guessing they're 50, 50. Now I'm not even close to a high level in smash bros. Like I don't understand the game. Ne- like I barely space. Well, right. Like I, I play the game at whatever level I play, like very casual level. I don't really play it often. I play it when I get around to my group of friends and we're all like around the same level. So when he starts talking and mind you, he's a top 10 player. At one point he was ranked number two in the world. And uh, he's always been a top 10 player. Even with the last Luma rank that came out a couple months ago, he was like sixth place, fifth place, I think. Uh, so he's really like, even with everything that's happened with all the Steve stuff and, and uh, Game & Watch becoming one of the best characters now and all the meta changes that have happened, he's still, despite all of that, Weather the storm, he's still top five in the in the world. And so when I hear him speaking, I'm like, I know that what he's saying is the mindset of what the highest level of Smash looks like. He's speaking from the highest level. And his co-commentators, his co-hosts, there's three of them. And they're all co- they all do commentary too. They're all like, so they're all good at the game too. Not nearly as good as Tweak, of course, but they're very, very good at the game, enough to understand it at a high level. They can tell you exactly what's happening on screen, and they get a lot of the things. But then there are these moments where they get quiet when Tweak starts talking about stuff. I love the fact that this podcast is called Tweak Talks. They all get quiet when Tweak is talking. When he goes into like this mode. And it's like, I call it like the, 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 the pro top, the top player, the pro player mode where you can tell that they can't even really add anything to the conversation technically, like not to be disrespectful, but what he's saying is something that only he can really articulate because he knows what it feels like to play at this level. He yep. starts talking about situations between two people who are so good, like him and Spargo, him and Leo, him and, uh, Akola, uh, him and, uh, Mia. He starts talking about these situations where literally we're both so insane at the game and we know what the other person wants to do and will likely do that at the end of the day, it's guessing and it's a coin flip. And I just want to say this, when I am playing smash, my mind doesn't ever think that I'm at such a high level and that the other person is at such a high level that the next interaction we have is just a guess. Mm-hmm. It is it is me thinking that I predicted what you're going to do. So I threw out this move or I did this, this movement because I think that this is what you're going to do. But the idea of getting into several interactions in Ultimate where you are literally guessing because you go, both of you are so peak. You're so peak of this game. Like you're at the tippy top tier that there's no more of this like, I'm a better player than you, so I just know what you're doing. Because when Tweak plays regular people, or even people in the top 11 to 250, right? Mm-hmm. He just beats them. He beats everybody from 11 to 250 with pretty much ease, too. It's kind of scary. Like, he's very consistent at the game, which is why he's ranked, like, top five. Um, but when he plays them, he's not guessing in most of the situations. He's just, I just know what you're going to do. And I actually know how to counter it. And you can see it when he plays, like, bro, that shit, he just, that read, that what he did to that guy was broken as fuck. And that guy's, like, number 12 in the world. And he just, like, destroyed Mutes. Like, he just ruined him. Like, he just read his soul right there. He charged a forward smash and knew that he was going to directional air dodge and, like, had a banana there and just knew that he would, like, like, everything about it was planned. And so I'm like, bro, you can predict and do all these crazy prediction things without guessing. And then you're saying that at the top, top, top level, when it's you and Spargo, you and Light, you and Leo, 
that a lot of it becomes guessing. So when I'm watching Amine versus Kisei and they're having this back and forth, I was like, oh, this is what Tweak was literally talking about. Yeah. We're both so cracked at this game. We're both so cracked in this moment that I'm not really going to predict what Leo is going to do here or what Light is going to do. I just have to hope that they do what I'm going to go for. Like, if I'm going to go for this move, if I'm putting it all on this, we're both at last stock, last hit. I'm putting it all on this exact interaction, and I'm going to throw this out. If I And if this fails, I probably lose, or I'm in a really bad disadvantage state. Um, that type of thing is something that, like, I can't fully grasp. So when I'm listening to him speak, I'm like, damn, this is actually nuts to hear it. But never having experienced something like this and then watching the anime just made me excited to know that, like, it's not Tweak just going on a rant or it's not him rambling. It's not him just saying a bunch of nonsense, like, on some anime shit. This is a thing that people at a high level really do experience. And I've experienced something similar in Yu-Gi-Oh! as well, where I say, like, I can read top players, but I can't really read people who are below me, but I just beat people who are below me anyway because, like, yeah, I'm just overall better. But I can read a top player really well, but then it, there are moments where, because somebody is so good and you expect them to do a certain thing, it, like, can hurt you because they also know that, too. So they might do something that's unorthodox to trick you. And yep. that's kind of just, like, the end of that rant, but I just wanted to talk about that because I thought it was cool that the anime yeah. introduced that in, like, a couple seconds. And then the the cool, really cool conclusion of that, and this is something I think is cool because it's like the story of the show is like teamwork and Kuroko's original team. They all got so good as individual players and they didn't really believe in teamwork anymore. And then Kuroko really thinks the point of basketball is the teamwork and like you're having fun with your team and you win and lose with your team, etc. And so you get to the end where Kisei kind of like becomes Almine and they have this and they get to this final like one on one and then. They get to the point where they're both double thinking, triple thinking each other. And they're both kind of just like, we just have to do it. And whatever happens, happens. So then they do like the gear second Kisei thing. And then they show Almine and he does a smirk and they both like go for it. And you're like, holy shit, they go for it. And then as Kisei is going up for the shot, suddenly he brings it down and he goes for this behind the back pass. And he's going to pass it to his captain. And then out of fucking nowhere, Almine does this like spin move in the air and fucking smacks the ball out of Kisei's hand. And everybody's like, how in the fuck did he react to that? Like, it's not humanly possible. Like, we get it. Amine is amazing. But it's literally not possible for him to have reacted that way and block that pass. And then it's so cool because they kind of do like a rewind and where they show Amine smirk again. And he basically says, like, like, you were really good. And he was like, and right there at the end, you could have won. He's like, but you finally made a mistake at the end. You did something I would have never done. Like, yep. you copied me. And he was like, and at the end. You made a mistake. You did something I would have never done. He said, I would have never faked a, like faked and did a pass in that situation. And what happens is like as everything right before the final thing, Kisei kind of like tries to do a fake and his eyes give it away to Almine. And then like he, he ends up looking at uh, Kasamatsu, his captain. And then like Almine is like, you gave it away. Like I knew you were going for a pass. Like you were in the end, like you were going to rely on your team. And he was like, you should, he was like, if you just went for it, you actually could have maybe beat me and like, scored the point he was like but in the end you made a mistake and it was like so it was just so fucking crazy yeah i and then uh, i was gonna say and then you know kisei's all defeated at the end and then like the um they like go and like he's like standing there and he's like fuck like we lost because of me because now they know like it's not possible for them to come back there's not enough time on the clock yep and then the captain comes like punches him the back of the head he's like hey what are you doing like we're still playing and i love this about the captain he's like even though everybody now knows they can't win he's like we're still playing like the game's not over yet we're playing until the game's over. And they play and like, it kind of just goes, they just lose. And then at the end, Kisei can't even stand up anymore. And it, there's like this 
heartbreaking moment where like Kise's trying to fucking stand up and he's like slipping and like his legs are just exhausted. Like his legs are just defeated and he's like trying and he can't get up. And then like his captain helps him up and like puts his arm over a shoulder and they walk over to the lineup to say thank you for the game at the end. And um, the game ends. It's like really fucking sad. And like people are kind of down. And this is something I love, love, love about the captain Kasamatsu is like, he's like, yo, everybody like get your fucking head up. Stop being depressed. Like we are still one of the top teams in Japan. Like we lost. I get it. But we are one of the absolute best teams in Japan. Keep your head up, guys. You guys did amazing. You guys are great. They go back to the locker room. Everybody's great. And like everybody leaves. And then he's like, hey, where's Kasamatsu at? Like, where's the captain? He's like, oh, he had, they had to do something in the locker room. Um, and they're like, oh, and then they go to the locker The captain just like rallied his team. Like, got like, we just lost, but you guys are fucking them. You guys are great. Don't take it out on yourself. You guys are still the, some of the best in Japan. And they show him alone in the locker room and he's punching the locker and he's just crying. Mm-hmm. And I love this scene so much because it like, Shows so much of what it means to be a captain and to be a leader. Like he did what he needed to do on the court, made sure nobody gave up. And when it was over and like he, all his men were defeated and and sad and depressed, he like did everything he could to keep their spirits up. So like, you, like heighten their spirits, make them feel good about themselves. Like, look, you guys lost, but we're amazing. And like, he showed no signs of weakness. And then when he was alone, like it fucking broke him. You know what I mean? Like his heart broke. He was yeah. crying and like he felt so bad for himself and for his team. Like he feels like he let them down. You know what I mean? And I, I just love that, that like that kind of heart of a leader thing where like even though it's like All Might in My Hero Academia, even though All Might knows that he's missing his internal fucking organs and he's defeated and destroyed. This is, you know, episode one. Even though All Might knows that like he's a shell of what he used to be, he knows he's the symbol of peace and he needs to be there. To like keep everybody else going like everybody needs to continue smiling and like he ends up being a symbol to keep the world going and keep people's spirits up even though it's cr- killing himself and that's something i really loved about the captain there is that he took all that pain for his team so that they wouldn't feel like shit so that they could keep going and then like when he was alone he was just breaking down and i, don't, I just really love yeah, it that's very real that too that is a very real thing like you don't show that to them because you're a leader Mm-hmm. so you have to like hide that part from them but you're human at the end of the day so you that's a really human thing to do is to obviously like cry or break down and moments like that um i mean growing up i basically never saw my dad cry and uh yeah that's a perfect example like how, how when do you see your dad cry right yeah. like we all know at some point between the time fraser was born and now his dad had to have cried at some, right but like you don't ever see it because like he'll, he can't show it to you Right. So that's just, yeah, it's, it's actually a really cool scene. This, this show was amazing. This is, this is an amazing anime. I can't wait for seasons two and three. I'm going to continue um, to get through to the end of it. Definitely something I'm looking forward to. So we'll be doing a podcast on season two uh, for sure. And I think that we're going to cover the show Invincible season one mm-hmm. either next week or really soon. So Kenny's already watched it. I watched it the year it came out. I'm not sure when that is now. Um, I just have to do a refresher, but we will definitely uh, cover that as well. But yeah, Kurgo's basketball, my first sports anime, this was a good one to start with i heard good things about blue lock uh and a couple other sports animes that people really really like so there's another anime yeah, there's a lot about. of really good ones yeah there's there's also this one ping pong the animation that i wanted to watch i yep. heard it's like a really really good just anime or movie or whatever it is so yeah maybe there'll be more of that in the future for me because this one opened my eyes to the fact that i could enjoy something about a topic or an activity that i don't particularly like like i don't yeah. it's not my thing like i don't 
turn on basketball when I'm bored. Uh, but I, I'd easily watch like, I mean, in one of the days I watched 12 episodes of, of Kirk on the basket straight. So I yeah, watched and you're, full you said season. you're excited to watch season two. So I am, cause I want to see these other two generation of miracles. I want to know what their abilities are. I want to know their temperaments and stuff like that. And like, I just want more character development on Kirk. I want to see, you know, season ends where Kirk was talking about developing a new style of basketball for himself. But like, you don't see that in season one mm-hmm. after they lose the Amine Kirk basically like, a, and this is what I mean. Like he's not really the main character. It feels like to me, there are multiple episodes or points in the show where like, he's not really a part of it. It's kind yeah. of focusing on the other characters. And I love when anime can do that when it can not focus on the protagonist so much and just kind of like, let's develop these other characters. Cause they do matter. It's not Naruto sheep. And we're only worried about Naruto and Sasuke the entire 200 and yeah, they- many episodes the other cast is very important and I, I do agree even i do get the feeling that for the most part kagami feels more like the main character yeah. than Kuriko. It's really but they do share the spotlight a lot yeah yeah it's, like Kuriko's there sometimes but then when he's not on screen it's weird to say this but like you kind of forget him and the, you yeah. know, he's considered the fan it's by right? design it's by design so yeah i uh i really really liked this this season one so uh, I think we can wrap it up there. That's pretty much the whole season one review, season one breakdown, season one, you know, I am nerd um, mm-hmm. <laughs> book report on it. But yeah, this was this was an awesome one. And let me know what you guys think about it right into I'm podcast at gmail.com. If you if you have ever seen this, if you plan to watch it now because you listen to this, even though I always say like if you listen to this episode and you haven't watched the thing that we're talking about, I recommend that you do. Obviously, uh, I would. Yeah, luckily, but, we just talked about season one, so we didn't spoil everything, but yeah. we're going to be hitting season two and season three at some point. Yeah. So and if and you think- liked it and haven't seen it yet. And I think if you like sports in general, if you like basketball, this is even better. But I also I want to make it clear. You do not need to know anything about basketball and you do not need to like basketball to like this. In my opinion, if you just mm-hmm. like shonen anime, this is literally a shonen anime and the medium of fighting is just basketball. That's literally what it is. They talk the same. The shit talking, the animation is really cool. Like the fights, quote unquote, is all of it's amazing. Like it's it's really well done. There's funny moments all throughout. There's cool characters. There's like quotes and everything it's everything that you like in shonen's you can like it in this all right yeah before we get out of here uh i do want to give a shout out to everyone on our patreon at the party member or higher tier thank you guys so so much it is still uh the beginning of 2024 but we have connie the cult of Volvi, leon ah after 10 long years my handless combo is complete okay quest is talking uh crazy with this one that's his that's his name on patreon that's also a mouthful it's hard to say that but i got it out for you quest we got xavier hylian dimitri barnes father multiverse dom the goat giovanni avalos alex flamer Ari reynolds dan Vrabel, dennis milburn first to home mitchell niles vince marquette dallas bailey kj roz weiss father multiverse there's two of them so two people, Damn. yeah, there's uh, Vincent Zen also has his name changed to Father Multiverse. Sarah Maria, Alex Ahern, Philip Campa, Kyle Batelho, Guac is Extra, Sugal, Vicky Venomon, Elijah Barfault, and then... And then right before before I hit the halftime read, I just there's one last thing I wanted to say. I'm going to hit you all with it real quick. At the end of the game against Kisei, uh, they're like, oh my God, that was crazy. Amine was pushed to his limit. And then the captain goes, oh, you guys don't know. At that Amine has another level. Yeah. Like he, He's like, they just once again to the whole idea that like, if you don't think you like sports, you would still like, it has all the anime shit. They basically do like, oh, that's not his final form. Like Almane has more. Like, you guys, <laughs> they you guys don't back. know, but yeah, they're like, he's got more. Like, don't you fucking worry. So anyway, my boy Almane Daiki the goat. Um, So Tyler Dale, Volvi the Mega Monarch, Enraged Peacock. Well, he has a spell, Enraged Peacock. Uh, Jenner <laughs> 215, RIP Ron Ron, Thomas Rude, Brian Moore, Ty 
Uh, Ty P336 is the Soul King Baby. Gingerilla, John Starr, the famous tattoo artist. I'm just a little nasty sometimes. Frozen Go Dojo, Auntie Did Nothing Wrong, David V, Nextastic, B Dog 23, Hershey Bar, Empoister, Romeo Junk Synchron Schneider, Tyler Frasher, Sasha Egger, Daniel Anderson, and that's the last one. So I want to say this for people who are at the party member or higher tier, um, I really, really, really appreciate like you guys a lot because uh, we do this podcast. We've been doing it literally every single week for uh, over two years now. Started in July 2021. And it's just really awesome to read these names out and know that like people are willing to support us. Some of you are even at the main character tier and you don't ask for a shadow game. You don't like use a deck doctor or Dr. Cranium or any of that stuff. You just kind of like are doing that to support us. And I know that that's exactly why you're doing it. And yeah, just special shout out to everybody at these tiers who are really like helping to support them on their podcast. It helps so much. It really does. It helps with motivation. It, it, it helps with everything. It's just, it's so appreciated. Yeah, it keeps us going. We recently started doing YouTube shorts. Kenny came up with a great idea to do like a Who's That Yu-Gi-Mon thing where uh, we cover a Yu-Gi-Oh card and over time, the card gets more revealed, the artwork of it, and I'm ha- I have to guess it. And the sooner I guess yeah. it, like the more points, the theoretical points I get for guessing it. Uh, and it's really, it's really fun. So the shorts and it's have cool because. Been- if you're watching the short, you can kind of play along. You yes. can try to guess what the what the Yu-Gi-Oh card is, what the art is. Um, we we started putting those shorts out a couple of days ago. Um, overall, they're doing really well. Some of the, one of them has done insanely well, yeah, but in them, general, they're all doing pretty well. One of them is like um, seven thousand views. I'm not really sure why that one specifically yeah. just has like so but many. If you guys see those shorts, check them out. Uh, we're I'm we're putting the shorts out every single day. We're we're putting them out except maybe Sunday, but we're putting them out every single day. Uh. If you like it, like it, share it, et cetera. Um, they're really fun to do. And it's just like a new style of content that we're bringing to the channel. And we're trying to come up with more and more ideas to keep you guys entertained and come up with new things. So, yeah, I uh, I really enjoy doing them. And if there's any other you know cool ideas that you guys would like to see from us, let us know, because we're always looking to try new things. And if we could fit it into our schedules or whatever, we, we will attempt it if it uh, makes sense for us. So, again, just thank you so much for everybody at these tiers and also everyone, even at the NPC tier and, and even at the free tier. Like we appreciate everybody who just shows support in any way that they can sharing our videos, commenting, leaving comments helps with the algorithm. If you go on our live streams when we do those tournaments and stuff like that, liking those, watching the actual videos it helps all of it helps with the algorithm it helps with the channel to grow we're trying to reach 3,000 subscribers we're at like a little under 2800 as of today's date Mm -hmm. Uh, we're at 2772 so we got in a couple since we started this podcast episode but yeah we're trying to get to 3,000 and then you know next to 4,000 and 5,000 so it's just awesome growing this channel and being a part of uh, this community and just fostering the community and helping all of us to just get better as people get through your day put this on as background noises always say if you're going to the gym you're sorting cards you're a truck driver you have a long drive hydro pump always tells me like hey i have a long drive this weekend listen to the podcast i caught up on it i watched like six listens to six episodes and they were awesome. fucking amazing he just told me listen to the frozen soul one and he never knew about the game go like that so just hearing that type of stuff it's nice. It just really feels good to know that we're putting this out and it's not just going into fucking cyberspace and like no one really cares about it. You know, we had Simo yeah, yeah. come on. That episode is doing crazy numbers. You guys really like Simo as a guest. I think that that was one of our best episodes. He had a lot of good gems to drop and all that. So as always, say guys, do the things that make you happy, including talking about a sports anime, something I never saw myself doing or even caring about yes. and thoroughly enjoying it. Kirk Oslo's Basket is already really, really good to me. And maybe even in my like, you know, top, 20 top 15 top 10 who knows by the end who of knows. it and, and double include not only enjoying those things 
but recommend if you have something that you love, get other people to love it too. Recommend that's that's what I do. Yes. And anything I love, I, I try to force all of my friends to get on. I'm like, listen, you guys are going to fucking like this too. Trust me. Kenny so, recently got me recommend that shit, and I love it. You know, so there's that. It's awesome. But all right, guys, peace. We'll catch you in the next one. Peace.